Yankees baseball is on the fan. Swing on, there it goes. Deep right, it is high. It is far. And it's gone. The home of the New York Yankees is WFAN. It couldn't have come a better time. The fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio, Awful, but you know whatever you're doing at the moment. I appreciate you tuning into the show right now, throughout the rest of the the, uh, the evening tonight, early morning. Whether that be in your car radio, WFN.com, or the free Odyssey app. And of course, we're here in the Big Apple in the Carton and Roberts Studio, the Mike Francesa Studio. And Paul Rosenberg and I are coming to you live. Go ahead, start dialing eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Taking your calls right here in the first segment, and well. Look at the calendar. It is September 17th, and the Yankees have, on paper, officially rebounded to almost the winning ways that they enjoyed throughout the month of May. Their winning percentage in May and in September is off by only seven hundredths of a point. I don't know. To me, it just doesn't feel that way. And last check, which was at 10.26 p.m., in the AL East, the Yankees are still four and a half games at Toronto and still six ahead of Tampa Bay. And if the season ended today, the Yankees still would hold the number two seed in the postseason. But in the AL, that is. And I, I don't know. To me, it just doesn't feel that way. And why not? Well, last night against the Brewers, the Yankees were 2 for 11 with runners in scoring position. And tonight, 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. And not surprisingly, both efforts resulted in an L in the shape of an L on her forehead. I just did that with my hands at Smash Mouth there. But not surprisingly, you can't hit, you can't win. So you look and you're like, all right, reinforcements have to be on their way, right? Well, unfortunately, not DJ LeMayhew, because Susan Waldman said during the broadcast tonight that there is no timetable for his return. And I was uh, on the West Side Highway by Chelsea Pierce, so that had to have been like the Sixth inning, seventh inning. But there's no timetable for return for DJ LeMahieu. And I haven't seen anything on Andrew Benintendi either. And those are two bats in that lineup that are just guys that get on base and hit for average and are, are there on base when guys like Stanton and Judge come to bat, to bat theoretically. I know Aaron Boone loves Aaron Judge in the, in the, uh, the leadoff spot or the two-hole, but I don't. I don't love that. I know you have to get your best hitters, you're their most reps, their most at-bats. Again, I will say it again. I cannot keep watching Aaron Judge hit solo home run after solo home run after solo home run. But some good news. Anthony Rizzo, he is going to be back tomorrow. Anthony Rizzo is back tomorrow, Sunday, which should help. 
in generating some power at the plate around Aaron Judge, especially the star of the show, Aaron Judge. And then you look at tonight, okay, and maybe, and maybe, maybe with Rizzo, Yankees could do a little bit better with runners in scoring position because it's been pitiful. I mean, these two games, I mean, the Yankees are playing tomorrow just not to get swept by the Milwaukee Brewers. And over the past two games, add it up, they're two for 19 with runners in scoring position. That's not going to get it done. Not against the Brewers and and, and not against any of these teams that they they want to face in the postseason. They're hoping to face, and, and ultimately, the ALCS against the Houston Astros. It's just not going to cut it. Also tonight, featured the return of Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman, that one who has not pitched since August 19th. I wonder how that tattoo looks. Okay, sorry. But tonight, Chapman did all right. He was a little wild, but in his one inning pitched, he had 17 total pitches, nine for strikes, one walk, and one strikeout. Again, not bad. I, I had a caller call in once. I just thought of this. Um, this is months ago. He was giving me a compliment. He said, you know, Danielle, your show's pretty all right. And I was like, what? But uh, Aroldis Chapman, I'm going to use that same phrase. Tonight, he was just pretty all right. But what I loved about this game tonight, what I loved was that Aroldis Chapman was assigned seventh inning duties. Seventh inning. An inning that, if you're a fan of my show, the Danielle McCartan show, whatever you want to call it, McCartan before midnight, whatever time of day I'm on, right here on the fan, for how long I have been clamoring to see Aroldis Chapman in a quote-unquote lower leverage inning. For how long have I been clamoring to see him in, namely, the seventh inning? It's been two years I've been talking about it here on with this microphone right in front of me. Literally. And finally, finally, Roldis Chapman entered the game in the seventh inning after not pitching for almost exactly an entire month. And he did. All right. So I hope, my hope is this, that Aaron Boone and the computers keep Aroldis Chapman there from tonight through the last game of the season, the rest of the season. Whenever that may be. And for the Yankees, hopefully into November. Aroldis Chapman is fine in the seventh inning, in the lower leverage innings. Because if he imploded, there is a chance that the Yankees' bats could pick him up and come back. I know we're not right at the moment. They don't look great now. But theoretically, in theory, he's not blowing the game, game over. Especially, especially at home. Namely at home. So keep him there. Chapman, seventh inning. It's a match made in heaven. And it's it's one of those things, it's like, I don't know, is it is it the bats or is it the arms on the mound that are going to hold the bat, Yankees back in the postseason? Because, I don't know, for me, again, getting back to, it just doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like the Yankees are, I don't know, 
the number two seed in the AL. It just, they, to me, it doesn't. Maybe I'm wrong, but when I watch a team go to Milwaukee, and 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 you know, it's, it's not Verlander status that that they're they're hitting against, and, and go two for nineteen with runners in scoring position. I mean, the only way they scored tonight was a home run, a Josh Donaldson home run. Who, by the way, the Yes Network flashed up uh, during the game when I was still home watching it. Some some numbers of his. Lo- love him or hate him, Josh Donaldson has been clutch for the Yankees over the past uh, X amount of games. I forget, 10 games, whatever it was that they showed. They usually do like 10 games. I mean, really clutch. So, it's just, I don't know. Is it going to be the bats? Is it going to be the arm? Is it going to be Isaiah Kiner-Falefa making a costly, costly error for the New York Yankees that's going to cost them a game in the postseason? I'm done watching that. I'm just done. He took, uh, I saw, I'm scrolling through Twitter, he took responsibility for last night's loss. Well, okay. Good. Some ownership there. The Yankees have a serious, serious question mark. And it's the same one that you and I talked about in December, that we talked about in January, in February, throughout the first half of the season, before, during, and after the trade deadline, and now in the second half of the 2022 regular season. It is the starting pitching for the New York Yankees. The legends of Yankees baseball. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Hit number 3,000. Derek Jeter has achieved another milestone in his Hall of Fame career. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to McCartney Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. You want to go ahead and uh, vote in the poll that I just posted on Twitter. I'm Daniel McCartan, by the way. I don't know if I said that or not. Uh, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I, I, I asked the question. I posed the question. Uh, you know what? You go ahead and find that. Let me introduce this this topic first. Um, the Yankees have a serious question mark, I think, which is their starting pitching rotation. We've talked about it beginning at the end of last season. We, on my show, have been talking about it. And if it's me, I'd Sharpie... Sharpie, these four guys atop my rotation in this order. One, Nestor Cortez. Two, Garrett Cole. Three, Jamison Tyone. And as of right now, four, Severino, who, according to Aaron Boone, will be back on Wednesday. And the thing with Severino is this. You can't. You can't pencil him in or Sharpie him in to number two. Don't tell me that. Because what is a realistic expectation for him? His last start for rehab, rehabilitation, rehab in AAA was, was four and a third innings. He's definitely not stretched out. Look at the calendar. It's September 17th. So how much more time realistically does he have to be stretched out? Because you don't want to ramp it up too quickly for fear of re-injury. But I'll tell you one thing. And, and, and for Severino, you you put it, you make it a bullpen sort of game. You get four good, great, hopefully, innings out of him, and then you turn it over to the bullpen. Severino's not giving you seven innings in a postseason game a month from now. Sorry. He's just not. Less than a month from now. He's just not. But I will tell you one thing. Come closer. I want no part of seeing 
Frankie Montas in a New York Yankees postseason series. I don't even I didn't even want to see him in pinstripes to begin with, if you remember correctly. And if I go ahead and refresh the page here on Twitter at Coach M C C A R T A N, also on Instagram under that name too, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. But I said Yankee fans, provided that Frankie Montas is eligible to pitch in the postseason, pending results from MRI, are you including him in your postseason pitching rotation? I gave you four, three choices. A, hell no. B, why not? And C, absolutely. Well, this is uh, one of the more landslide votes that I've ever done on here. 60, oh, it just changed, it just refreshed. 63% of Yankee fans want Frankie Montas nowhere near the starting rotation in a postseason game. Include me in that. I wish I could vote in my own, but that's how I would vote. There's no way he should be handed the baseball in a start once the regular season ends. And I hate to say it, but I told you so about Frankie Montas. Remember all the way back in June when I said the only thing I liked about him was his name? How much fun it is to say? Frankie Montas. It's like, I, I, I even likened it to Elf. When he says Francisco, that's nice. That's fun to say. Frankie Montas, it's fun to say, but yikes. And I know that he's going to get that MRI on his shoulder. And I hope for the best possible news for him. And Aaron Boone told Meredith after the game that he just didn't have an update on it yet. Because she asked. But mark my words, Frankie Montas will get a postseason start just so Brian Cashman does not have to admit that he made a mistake in trading away Jordan Montgomery, who... Reminds the Yankees of that every single time he takes the mound for his new team. For the Cardinals, and obviously that's after the trade deadline, but pitching for the Cardinals, Jordan Montgomery has a 2.05 ERA. He's given up only two home runs. And the batting average against him is 214. For comparison, Frankie Montas with the Yankees, 6.25 ERA, has given up three times the amount of home runs, six, and the batting average against him is just almost 300. I know you can't predict injury either, but every major league player that the Yankees acquired at the trade deadline is hurt or has been injured. Harrison Bader, Andrew Benintendi, Scott Efros, and Lou Trevino. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. Let me go back to this. Hit refresh. Yeah, now it, it, it's up. To 69% of Yankee fans want no part of Frankie Montas in a postseason uh, start. So what are they going to do with him? That is a million-dollar question. All right, in the order that you called to the phones, we go at 877-337-6666. John in the Bronx, you're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. How you doing? What's up, John? You're leading off tonight. Great. Listen, I agree with you 100% on, on uh, Mr. Chapman. Can't stand him. Don't want to even see him on the field anymore. Mm-hmm. But everything you say I agree with, but I won't get into all those details. I'm just curious about your opinion mm-hmm. on Yankee fans that complain about Steinbrenner, Cashman, and Boone. And that's all they do, and they blame Steinbrenner, Cashman, and Boone for the Yankees' demise that's going on right now. What's your opinion? John, can I flip it on you and ask you who you believe is is uh, responsible for the demise? The players on the field. The players are accountable. Steinbrenner, Cashman, and Boone, I don't blame them at this point, no. 
See, I, I'm going to take the more diplomatic approach, and I'm going to say that it, it's it's a little bit of all of them. It's a little bit of all of them because you got Hal Steinbrenner who is not going, not exceeding the, the luxury tax threshold. A, you've got Brian Cashman who will not go out and get the best pitcher available on the market in Luis Castillo. B, you've got Aaron Boone who puts these cockamamie lineups out there every day and they switch and change around every single day. And and then D. Then you get to the players on the field, or maybe I would put the players on the field at C. But okay, you know, but, but I know, okay. and I know the I know the guys in the front office are not out there on the field executing. But it, and, and that's why a little bit of the onus falls on the players as well. All right, so Steinbrenner Steinbrenner is number three in payroll. Passion, mm-hmm. you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes on the phone calls to say that Cashman couldn't get anybody. As far as pitching goes, everybody wanted, what's his name? What's that guy's name? Luis Castillo. Castro. Castillo, what was his name? Luis Castillo. Right, okay. How do you know that Cashman didn't want to get him? How do you know they couldn't get him? How do you know Castillo didn't want to come to the Yankees? How could you blame Cashman for not getting him? Well, You, you don't you, know what was going on behind the no, scenes. No, I don't, but I also know that, so? that we didn't have to be behind the scenes to hear Aaron Judge's contract details. They just happily leaked those details. So I would think a guy like Brian Cashman in his final year of his contract would come out and say, hey, we really tried for, Ca- yeah. for Castillo, but he didn't want to come to the Yankees. You know what I'm no, saying? Danielle, no, Danielle. They, they leaked out. They no. leaked out judges. Um, they leaked that out on purpose. That's what I'm saying. That, wouldn't you, if you're Cashman, wouldn't you do? But, but wouldn't you leak that out if you're Cashman on purpose? Like, dude, we tried, we tried, we ended up with what we ended up with, right? Come on, wouldn't you do that too? Because you're in a contract year. Unless, of course, you know that you're comfortably going to get re-signed for the rest of your life. I mean, what GM signs a lifetime deal like a Supreme Court justice like Brian All Cashman right, has? The, yeah, but you just changed the subject to judge. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about Cashman getting a picture. That we needed, and Let's he didn't. Go back to that. And he didn't. That has he failed. Contract has nothing to do no, with that. that yes, it does because I'm trying to explain to you that he conveniently linked those details. Why aren't there any details about this pitching that he missed on leaked to the media? Maybe, maybe he doesn't want to admit that the, oh. the kid didn't want to come to the Yankees. You know, but then, but then the onus isn't on you him. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, but, you don't know what's going on in the phone John, calls. John, if you're Brian Cashman, then you could wipe your hands clean and say, hey, he didn't want to come. I went for him. He didn't want to come. Wouldn't that make you look pretty good? All right, so what do you think the reason is why they couldn't get him? I have no idea. Maybe they didn't want to get uh, give up uh, so Anthony if you Volpe. Don't have any idea, how no. could you blame Cashman? John, for not you look you look at the package. You have no idea, John. Why are you blame? You can't blame him. John, you're you gonna let no me talk, or you're gonna continue on. to talk over me because that's not how it works here. When yeah, you look up, what, when you look up what they gave up for Castillo, when what they traded for Castillo, it would have included both Anthony Volpe and Peraza, Oswald Peraza. The, the the top two prospects in the Yankee farm system. Then what you're gonna have, you're gonna look at IKF as the shortstop of the future for the New York Yankees. I believe that's why they didn't do it. That's what the asking price was and more. Would you have given up Volpe and Peraza? No. No. That's why. That's why. That's what I can conjecture about it. All right. Okay. Are you satisfied with that answer? Uh, I'll go with it. I'm not okay. gonna argue or disagree. John, the problem is... You make a good point. Thank you. And you know what the other problem is? You mentioned that the payroll, which I I, I listened to the entire Randy Levine interview on the podcast with Sherman and uh, Heyman. 
He kept referencing, oh, well, we have the whatever, th- whatever I'm going to go, you said the third highest payroll in the league. Yeah, but you look at the deals that they're giving out. You're giving out how much money to Aaron Hicks? He's making $11 million this year. I mean, come on. I, I, Josh Donaldson, but $23 million? They signed, they're not spending yeah, it in the right they, way. But then when they signed Hicks, it was horrible. He was above, He had an above-average defense, nah. and he was a switch hitter, and they, they were hoping they were going to get a $25 million center fielder for $10 million. And they it did, and work. everybody, but, but John. But they didn't spend $25 million. They got what they paid for out of Hicks, $10 John, million a year. That's what he's worth. I don't need to be the Yankees GM to find out and figure out that he wasn't worth a $70 million contract. Well, you you didn't know that back then. I said it then, open. John. I know you might be new to this, but I said it back then. Okay, and you want to keep referencing the Yankees and their payroll, and they're not spending it the right way. They're clearly not allocating the money correctly. When you've got Aaron Hicks making as much as he is, giving out that contract, given the injury history of of him in particular, you look up and down this payroll. Josh Donaldson, twenty three million dollars. Like you had to get rid of Gio Urshela, who was making like nothing. Come on. Ack in North Jersey, you're up on the fan. Yeah, it's just been a disappointing watch. I mean, with the start they had, it's just I can't even watch this. I mean, if I if I watch Garrett Cole again, just it's so shaky every time he takes the mound. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. I think we've gotten used to you know Jeter and the 2000 dynasty. This is far from that, and all the comparisons. That is out the window. I'm, I, it's just it's just so sad to watch. Boone, he should just say less. I'm watching him press conferences. He's making a show, getting thrown out of every game. Just say less. Manage more. We, you know, postseason's coming up. Mm-hmm. We need a spark. We we need we need Cole to be the ace that he's supposed to be. We need the bats to wake up. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be just Judge trying to break sixty. We we yeah. still can do well in the postseason. We just need a spark, but it's really, really disappointing to watch right now. You know what? And and, and I'm telling you, like I said in the beginning, they go, they have the second seed in the AL if the season ended today. It doesn't feel like that, does it? We can't beat Houston. Yeah. I just say that. We cannot beat the Houston Astros unless we can get over the fear of that. I don't know if Cole, he, he can, can he be a big game pitcher and, Lead us to a World Series. Like, that's what we need them to do. Judge is doing his thing. We need the bats to wake up a little bit. But, I mean, Boone, come on. Let's let's get these boys. Let's go. We got the World Series. We, we can still do it. But it's a tough watch every night. I'm just being honest. Yeah. No. I, I get it. I understand. I get it. And, and it's so crazy. It's just crazy to me. Because you look at what Aaron Judge is about to do. You look at where the Yankees are currently right now, and you're like, I can't be feel- – this isn't the right feeling. Do I have displaced feelings about this team right now? And I had Susan Waldman on – it was what, last week I had her on? And I asked her about the Yankees and their, and their quest for, you know, to get to the World Series. I said, "Are this is this Yankee – I asked her, is this Yankee roster constructed to win a World Series? And she said, huh. well, Danielle – does it have to go through Houston to get there? And I said, yeah. And she said, then no. There you go. She watches every pitch of every single game. And I know a lot of us do. But she said what I think a lot of people were thinking. Carmen in Linden, New Jersey, you're up on the fan. 
Hello, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, too. Uh, uh, first of all, I, I don't like to be a parrot and repeat what you said, sure. but I'm going to repeat it anyway, okay? Right. Because exactly what you just said, almost verbatim. Let me just say it. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm 73 years old. I've been watching it. I've been watching the Yankees since I'm, I'm seven years old. In 1956, when I discovered number seven, Mickey Mantle, mm -hmm. I played ate, slept, and drank baseball, football, and basketball for 66 years. Here's what's wrong with the Yankees, and you said some of it. Number one, forget Houston, forget what you just said about what Susan had to say and what everything. You need three reliable starting pitchers yes. to go into the playoffs. Yep. Okay? And I do not believe, even though I might go along with you, that I'd like to see uh, Nasty in the leadoff, you're going to see Cole, number one. Of course you are. You're going to see Nestor, number two, yep. because of the moves they made. Yep. And I agree with you. Frankie, they should move him to, uh, to Pony League. I <laughs> guess he's above Little League, but they can move him to Pony League. He's a bum. There's no doubt about it. Four, four five point five zero. Hey, I don't know where the hell they decided. I'm sorry. I don't know where they decided to get him, but that's Cashman's idiotic move. Yep. Okay. I, I wish Cashman would listen to my show. I mean, I didn't want him to begin with. I wish Cashman was a listener. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. The other two moves, there is absolutely, you know, they made a comment, the stupidest comment about Montgomery. Well, you know, they don't score for Montgomery. Well, you remember, they never scored for Jake, for DeGrom. Yes. Okay? Yep. Is that a reason to get rid of him? Yeah. They actually used that stupid, that stupid line. Oh, they don't score for him. Yeah. What a Stupid remark. Okay, I agree. Now, let's get rid of Degrom because they don't they don't score for him. Yep, you idiot. He would have been the third guy in the rotation who gave you steady outings when he was here. Yep, he should have never been traded. Exactly. And the final point, a two points. Mm -hmm. I agree with what you said about Donaldson, not because of his antics or anything. Nope. Urshela is a better third baseman defensively and a better clutch hitter than Donaldson will ever be, and they're paying him, they were paying him peanuts yep. under his control. That's they right. should have never got rid of that kid. Joe, uh, Gio Urshela, just, yeah. just so everybody's clear, team. Gio Urshela this year, this this season, 2022, $6.5 million. Great. No, $6.5 million. That's okay. it. That's yeah, it. Exactly. He was making peanuts. Yep. This, this guy thinks that he, well, okay, he's had a couple home runs here. They would have been a lot better off with Urshela. He was a guy that could be long-term. And the final point, and I appreciate you giving me the time, mm -hmm. okay? I think I, hopefully you believe that these are good points. Yep, that's the why you're still on there, thing, Carmen. <laughs> okay, the final point is you can't constantly, consistently leave 10, 11, 12, 9 men on base. Yep. When you consistently leave double-figure men on base, you're doing something wrong, okay? Whether it's in the middle getting a little small ball to get a couple of those runs across. When you leave nine, when you leave double, and I can, you can look back. How many games yep. in the second half have the Yankees met left double-figure men on base? That is a predictor of failure. Sure. That's failure. And, and Carmen, coming up in clutch position. Exactly. And also getting hits with runners in scoring position. And in this series, they have not gotten it done. 
Sometimes it's good to talk about Erratic it. behavior, paranoia, diarrhea. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Visit Superbook.com. here on the fan in New York City. Uh, yeah, we're going to continue with this Yankee stuff. I mean, it's um, it, it, it's a little bit of a concern if you're a Yankee fan how this team might fare in the postseason moving forward. You got Frankie Montas, who last check of, of the final results of my poll here on, on Twitter, 73% of Yankee fans don't want the pitcher that Brian Cashman acquired at the trade deadline to help help bolster this starting pitching rotation to be that number two starter. 73% of Yankee fans don't want him touching the ball in the postseason to start, me included. So can, does this is this team built to go the distance? Um, I, I think no. I think no. Let's go to the phones. Back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Robbie and Lennox, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. First of all, Paulie Rosenberg is the man. I just wanted to say Paul does a great job. So I've been talking to him for a long time. But, uh, you know, Danielle, great callers tonight, really. A great, great monologue. I mean, I can't take it anymore watching this team. And the thing is that it's really not the same team that started the season. So let me, a couple of thoughts to share with you. First of all, I agree with you. As a guy who's called the station for 35 years and a 50 year baseball fan, being a Yankee fan, okay, growing up 25 minutes from the Bronx and from Yankee Stadium almost my whole life, Danielle, batting Aaron Judge first and then batting a guy who's batting 214 behind him? How does this make any sense? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, am I losing it or something? Well, who is Aaron Judge batting? Who is he driving in the ants in front of the plate? I mean, what the hell is the problem? I mean, if you're going to do anything, I know you're depleted with skies, okay? I know you got a lot of kids. Can we put Peraza first? Let Peraza try. I mean, he's hitting 260. Maybe yeah. he gets on and he steals a base. Yep. I mean, it's ridiculous to watch. It's asinine baseball. I'm sorry. I mean, you get the golden sombrero from Stanton tonight. I can't stand watching Stanton take it bats. The biggest problem with this team, and you, 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 somebody was breaking this down. I was listening to one of your callers about Cashman or, or the ownership. Yeah, who, or, who is or the Bruins. onus on? It, yes. it, it's, it's clearly Cashman, okay? Because you can't tell me. You and I combined, we could sit in a room, okay, and, and go through every analytical bunch of nonsense there is, but actually put a lineup and use our budget, okay, of $230-plus million on a better talent than this. Where the hell was, was, was uh, Cashman when Matt Chapman was available? When was he, where was he when Paul Bolshevik was available? Where was he when Owen Allen, uh, Arenado was available for the Cardinals? Why is it that the Cardinals can consistently go out and get these type of players mm-hmm. and stuff? And and it's like it, it, it's like almost like the wolves being pulled over our eyes. The Yankees have two division titles in the last ten years. Is that correct? Am I correct with that uh, with that number? I think so. Probably. So it's like okay, this started in in 2017 when Brian Cashman decided to fire Joe Girardi after they became came within one game of winning yes. the, of going to the World Series. Okay, he yep. fired the manager. He baby Gary Sanchez. He got Stanton, which was no reason. How many guys do we need to strike out 200 times? Oh, let's get Josh Donaldson now. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and pay all that money for him, too. Money that should have been allocated to Aaron Judge. I mean, you look at the lineup tonight, and you're you're putting Judge up first. Fine, you want to put your best hitters up first. Great, but look who's batting behind you. One ninety five. Kyle Agashioka can't even his way. Shouldn't even be in the major leagues. Marlon Gonzalez at one ninety nine last year. Cashman's like, oh wow, let's pick him up. 
You can't tell me that there's nobody else in the major leagues that's around that could be better than a guy hit 199 last year that's coming off your bench. Look at the bench that they have. And this whole idea of carrying 13 pitches, and I just want to say this, and thanks for the time, I am so sick of this. Can we just leave baseball alone? Do we need bigger bases to induce space stealing? What kind of nonsense is this? It's just BS. I mean, what do we need 13 pitchers on a staff for? Who needs that many pitchers for crying out loud? Pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. I mean, the other night, Wandy Peralta, he's pitching a good game. He gets the left-hander. Can we bring Wandy back for the next thing? No, we got to put another pitcher in and yep. another pitcher. Yep. And then Boone. Boone is, to me, a puppet. You can't tell me with three generations of baseball that Aaron Boone is the one making decisions, putting Stanton behind Judge batting first. This is just nonsensical baseball that makes no sense. But anyway, I'll get your thoughts on it. But, I mean, I agree with you. IKF, put, let Peraza play, please. Can we just see the kids? If for nothing else, if the team fails in October, can they just see what these kids are made of? That's what I want to see. Anyway, yep. Daniel, thanks for the time. Love your show and continued success. On Thanks for the time. Appreciate thanks, Rob. appreciate it. I mean, there's really not much to add on there. You, you, you hear the exasperation in his voice. You hear the frustration in his voice. There's nothing much more that I can add on to there, Rob, because you said it all. You said it all. And I, and I think the takeaway from that call is is all of the points you made, plus the emotion that you had behind it, the frustration, the exasperation, all of it. And again, the Yankees are the second seed if the season ended today in the AL. And, and it just doesn't feel that way. They, they've got a, a, what, a four and a half game lead in the AL East over the Blue Jays, and it just doesn't feel that way. Am I wrong to think that? Am I wrong to think that? Uh, Steve in Manhattan, you're up next on The Fan. All right, and I grew up 30 minutes in the Bronx from Yankee Stadium, if you don't include traffic jams. <laughs> yeah, which and, is uh, always. <laughs> I just want to comment before I get to the Yankees, the meat and potatoes, this, but these new rules in baseball where you can only throw over to first base twice and everybody was going crazy over that. We know it's ridiculous. Just like saying uh, two linebackers can't make a tackle. So you, you, you've got to be able to make the play in the game if you see it developing. And I would say, like, like they say, it's going to get more athletic. The second baseman might have to chase the runner back to first base. There mm-hmm. are guys who are very athletic, and the pitcher's going to have to fire the ball to second base if the runner starts going. Mm-hmm. The guys are going to, the game will get more athletic that way, but, and they want more scoring. Next coming in the minor leagues, they have it in one minor league where they steal first base about it. So they want to juice up the game. I know. Um, and the thing is, I'm, I'm kind of mad about it. I don't get to get to call into a fan too much anymore. They don't let me in. I don't know why. But um, the thing is, this thing going after Josh Donaldson, it, I, to me, is crazy. Some of these hosts, I believe, are really clowns going after him and signing with this guy, uh, Anderson. But now for the Yankees. The Yankees, you know, if, if a person just sits by, behind the fact that they spend money, is not, is not the answer to this. They do not spend the money the way they once did. That's the key thing. And the thing is, you had the shortstop class of 2021. You had players in there. I would have signed them. I would have signed Korea and put them at shortstop and leave Sherrill at third base, the uh, third baseman there, and don't, make, and don't make that trade for the Yankees. They make bad trades. They also do not, and they try to sell you on these bad players. Yeah. That is a sign, folks, of an, an organization that is starting to rot. Now, I, I was a firm believer. The Yankee, listen, you called it. The Yankee offense shut down for the last two months, right? I would have brought up the two hottest players. Anthony Vol- Volpe is right now the, one of the hottest yes. in AAA. Yep. I bring the guy up. There's nobody hitting on this team. You can't, you're going into the playoffs. 
They they have enough good players to limp into the playoffs right now. It, it, you got to tell me who are the great teams out there right now, and who's going to get hot in October, and then then you'll have your World Series winner. But the Yankees do not. They don't run that organization they once did. They cannot make those trades where they bring in a player for big money. And it's I believe it's really how. Hal Steinberg doesn't want to spend that kind of money. He, he might not have it. He might not have a cash flow problem. Well, well, we don't know that, Steve, but thanks for the call there. We don't know that, but we do know that, that Hal Steinberg has shown an unwillingness to go past that luxury tax threshold for whatever reason. Uh, citing, I, I believe he cited, or Randy Levine cited the, uh, the the COVID pandemic, not having fannies in the in the seats, all that, which I don't know. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, the Yankees are worth how many billions of dollars? I mean, look at the Dodgers, what they're doing. They don't care. They don't care. Dodgers-Astros is going to be the, the, the World Series. And I don't know. I, I just wish the Yankees had, believe it or not, more of, an, more of the, the attitude, the swagger that the, uh, that, that the Los Angeles Dodgers actually have right, right now at the moment. They're the new Yankees, believe it or not. Quick break. Emmanuel's here with an update. Oh, my God. Siri's looking up Josh Donaldson's stats on my watch. If you don't know, now you know. Something like that, right? Welcome back to McCartan at Midnight here now on The Fan in New York City. Man, it's been a heavy Yankee night, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's the fact that Yankee fans are a little bit trepidatious about what might come um, with this team moving forward. Um, I also want to weave in a little bit of football because I also want to say how I have a bone to pick with one of the NFL teams. Like, you, we, you and I, spent time trying to figure out the best possible name for my survivor pool, and I am very good at survivor pools. And I love playing them because, as you can imagine, between teaching and you know, coaching and all this, I don't have a lot of time to dedicate to a full fantasy football team or roster or league or whatever. So, you know, when you do things, you, you do them to win them, right? I mean, Herm Edwards. So I roll into my 2022 survivor pool with a sick team name, Sunday Sauce Gardner, a suggestion by you, the listeners. And I loved it. It blends in with, you know, it's, it's Sunday Sauce, if you're Italian, you know the drill, and Sauce Gardner because I wanted something New York Football Incorporation, Okay. Perfect. I'm feeling good. The best team name in the entire league for real. And my rationale for last week was I just love the 49ers defense. And I never loved Justin Fields. And I coupled that with the fact that the 49ers were tied for the biggest point spread of the week. I felt they were a lock to win week one. Well, the 49ers beat the Bears in total yards, in total plays, in time of possession. But! Had 12 penalties for 99 yards, two turnovers, and the 49ers were only one for three in the red zone, and the Bears were two for two. The 49ers were winning the game until there were 12 minutes left, and then they weren't, and now I'm out, and now I'm really mad. I've never in my life been out after week one. What a joke. I I hate the 49ers. They are dead to me, but you know what I learned? Next time, next season, I have to pay for two entries. That's what, that's the key. You pay for two because you almost buy yourself a mulligan in there. So, yeah, that's it. I just hate the 49ers. I hate them. That's it. 
So we're going to have a changing of the guard behind the glass. We've got Paul Rosenberg headed out. Thank you, Paul. We've got Brian McKeon headed in. Do you see what you, what gambling does to you, by the way? Now you just hate a <laughs> team arbitrarily. Hate, hate the 49ers, man. Come on. They're I, winning until 12 minutes left in the game. Yeah, no, they it, it was a bad second half for that for that team. Awful. I'm I'm at MetLife Stadium and watching it on the scoreboard. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm wiping my eyes. There's no way that's right. They, they, they were just winning. And now they're losing. I hate them. I hate the I hate the 49ers. Arbitrarily, just because of gambling, you now hate the 49ers for no reason because they couldn't beat the Bears in week one. Yeah. And watch, the Bears are gonna lose every game from here on out. I I'm gonna put money on that now. Oh, you're yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love this gambling stuff. Look at that mindset. That's the mindset all gamblers have. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh hey, Paul, I, I got a fifty dollar free bet from BetMGM, and I don't know where to put it. Um, I would say, I mean, the the one question: Do you want to just win like that money back, or do you want to see if you can turn the fifty into like one hundred fifty? Yeah, two fifty, three hundred. Yeah. Okay, that's not. Um, I want to look for something in, like would, the three four hundred range, plus three, plus four hundred. Yeah, I would say do a parlay, maybe an anytime touchdown score parlay tomorrow. That pays out nice. Yeah, I, I like doing those anytime touchdown score. But Saquon, I gotta look at what Saquon's is. Maybe two touchdowns for Saquon, maybe. There you go. But do but if you actually want to make a few bucks, you know, it's going to have to be multiple legs. Things, yeah. All right. We'll see. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. Text me some uh, recommendations tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, I'll text you the recommendation <laughs> for the anytime touchdowns for a bet tomorrow. <laughs> All right. I do love Saquon, though, but that's not, it doesn't pay well, you know. Anyway. All right. To the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Uh, hey, we're, we're talking a little football in the order that you called. Michael in Lake Mary, Florida. Go ahead. You're up on the fan. Okay. Hello, Coach. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Uh, I hate the Niners, too, for other reasons. But now I really hate them because they burned you. So I didn't like that. Yeah, I hate them. hate Trey Lance. I hate all of them. Joey Bosa, all of them. All of them. They're the worst. They're the worst. Unbelievable. Uh, Giants, uh, Coach, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's a super extra pleasure to talk to you being 1-0. I, I just, it's a very exciting that they got off of the win last week. Uh, just a couple of points, I, and I tweeted this to you, but a couple of big takeaways uh, with the game. First of all, the run game was excellent for them. I thought they really did a fantastic job. And uh, 32 rushes, 238 yards, uh, 6.8 yards uh, of play. That's, that's fantastic mm-hmm. for them. And before anybody jumps on, well, what about the Barkley run? The, you're, you're inflating the stats. Oh, I took the Barkley run out. 31 carries, 175.5. So there you go. Still, still a great, great uh, effort there. Um, penalties need to get cleaned up a little bit. I saw they had eight penalties, and I'm sure that's something that Dave was going to work on with them. But the uh, the other two quick things I noticed with them was uh, the going for two. <laughs> I mean, that was just like such a gutsy call. And, oh, yeah. and I'm not playing Monday morning quarterback saying, nope. okay, it came out right. I would have been happy even if it didn't happen. Me just too. To, just to change the culture a little bit around here. Oh, yeah. You were at the game last year where they ran the famous quarterback sneak from their own four. I was right? there. The two of them from the from the own four. Yeah. We, we all looked at each other like, wait, what's going on? What the hell are they uh, doing? I'm just like bugging out saying, what was that? I was like, this is the antithesis of that. So yep. that that was fantastic. And the last thing, Abel getting in Jones's face after he threw the pick at the goal line, mm-hmm. not the pat on the back. That's okay, buddy. Yeah. It'll be next time. Like, what are you doing? I mean, that's and what happened later in the game. Jones came down and led them to the drive. Mm-hmm. So these things have to be instilled, and and the team just, I just feel you just feel something different there. Is the talent all the way there yet? Probably not. 
Um, saw your tweet early too about the guy at the gas station. Let's pump the brakes on the Super Bowl win. <laughs> but uh, but I think we're going in the right direction. But uh, anyway, always a pleasure to talk to you, and I'll hang up and have your thoughts. Have a great yeah, day. Yeah, thanks, Mike. All that on the on on target on bullseye in the middle there. Um, and the tweet was, and and I was getting gas on my way in before. And um, in New Jersey, we have people that pump our gas for us. Okay, so don't put me in any other state because I don't know how to do it. And as many times as people have tried to show me, I just, you know, if you don't, you don't use it, you don't, you lose it. How's that go? I can never get these sayings right. But so I tweeted, the gas station attendant just told me that the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl. He was serious. <laughs> One of the best tweets I got back was, yep, that's that 1-0 mentality, undefeated mentality. Listen, I hope the Giants win the Super Bowl, but in my prognostication, maybe that's where I should put my $50 free bet. Maybe that was a sign. That was an omen. That That's where I need to put it. Come on. Come on. I, I wanted to laugh at him, but then I realized he was serious, and I was like, oh. Is it irrational to say that the Giants fan base might be the most irrational fan base in all of sports? No, nah, I wouldn't categorize it as that. So, so who is? Because, I mean— uh, The def- Cowboys. I think the Giants are worse. No. When the Cowboys start one and zero every year, which and this is the year was an exception, you never hear Super Bowl talk immediately. I mean, there I've literally heard Giants fans this week saying they're going to win the Super Bowl because they because they, they beat the Titans. I mean, it's, the Titans are good. They were good last year. Yeah, and a lot of people don't think they're going to be as good this year, but they beat Ryan Tannehill. They didn't come back against Pat Mahomes. They came back against Ryan Tannehill. Even playoffs, Danielle, they've been terrible for a decade. Yeah, I know, and I think that's why people are like jumping on the bandwagon, like one and zero. Super Bowl, here we come. There's 16 games to go. It's insane. Yeah, I know. It's fun, though. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Fun. It's fun. Come on. Ed in Sydney Center, you're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. It's so great to speak with you for the first time. Thanks uh, for calling uh, in. You're doing a great show. Thank you. Uh, by, by the way, females in sports are unicorns. I hope the WFAN executives you know, understand that that, that we, we need more of that. And I don't mean to box you in, but I just want to say that that's how I feel as a, as a sports fan in New York for over 40 years. Keep yeah. up the great work. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate that. I, I have I have two points if you grant me the sure. time. Sure, you got it. Uh, one is on the Giants, mm-hmm. and one I had a personal question for you. Uh, I'll start with the Giants. Uh, there is an explosion of emotion in the last six days, including myself, but I, I was surprised to see, and I heard that last caller. You got to understand there's 10 years of pent up frustration. Mm-hmm. And our coach took that team down and beat the number one seed of the AFC last year mm-hmm. in their own building. He had the guts to go for two. Daquan yep. is phenomenal. Okay. And Daniel Jones is going to get better every single game with this. this Better coaching. He had the worst coaching you could ever imagine for the last two years. The right things are happening, and 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 the, the, it, you know we feel it. We feel it. I'm looking at the schedule, and I I see Panthers coming into our building tomorrow. We're gonna beat them, and then we're gonna go Monday Night Football against the Cowboys in our building, and we're gonna beat them. I do like those two uh, two chances. Yes, and, and, and then we're home again against the Bears. Those guys have no business coming to our building and playing our team with this coach. 
you, you know, the, the right things are happening. There's something happening here in social media. If you, if you follow it like I do, there's, there's an explosion of emotion after one week, and it's warranted. That's the point I wanted to make. It, I, I it, feel it. Yes, I, I understand it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Keep it going. Thank God. I know it's only one game, but it's more than one game psychologically. <laughs> it means a lot well, to us. It, it represents a a shift, right, in in how the Giants have been playing their games. I mean, and Mike just nailed it. I mean, I was at the game when they took the, the knee, or I mean, uh, the quarterback sneak, Two of them within the five-yard line. I mean, that's like and, – and, and Joe Judge after the game saying, oh, we wanted to give more room to our punter. I mean, come on. This is a guy – this is the Dayball era where he trusts in the players. And he – you know what I mean? They make the plays on the field. He puts them in the best position to do it. I, I feel the, the momentum, the, 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 the mentality shift. I do. Yeah, there's something going on here, and I hope WFN catches it quick. That, that If they win tomorrow – my God, there's going to be an explosion of emotion for the Giants. 2-0. and We haven't had that for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So just be ready. <laughs> yeah, right, but I, anyway, I have a, yeah. I have a second uh, question if you grant it to me. Sure, go ahead. I was curious. Uh, women in sports, Pac, uh, what inspired you? How did you get started? You know, what, was it your father? What, you know, what, what, got, what got you to say your passion is sports? Like as a fan, when I was a kid, I always played. Your job is sports. What what what, what sparked that? I'm I'm just curious because we we need more women like you. Yeah, well well thanks Ed. There's a if you if you were to email me, I could, I could send you an article. A 201 magazine did a really nice feature on on you know my my career path and trajectory and stuff or or the record or the Bergen record NorthJersey.com. It's all there probably if you type in my name. But um, the long story short is. Um, I was, I'm a teacher during the week still, and I coach, and uh, I had a professor. My, I was just taking a course just to take it because I needed just the credit number, you know, the number of credits um, to fulfill my graduation requirement, and it was a sports media course, and that professor there kind of kind of planted the seeds, and from uh, there, I've just been uh, very stubborn and hard-headed and not taking no for an answer, and, and here I am. That's how you have to go, Danielle. Yeah. It, it, no, no one gets anything for free in this world. That's and, right. And you're doing great. So I'm very proud, and I'm glad to be a part of your show tonight. Uh, thanks, Ed. I hope to see you this time next Saturday. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> when the Giants win this weekend, you know I'll be calling. All right. All right. I'll be waiting for it, Ed. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I, listen, I, I'm not ready to officially make the pick yet, but I do like the Giants this weekend. I do. Let's go to Matt at the Jersey Shore. You're up on the fan, Matt. Danielle, buongiorno. How are you? <laughs> Buona mattina, really. Good morning. <laughs> talk, talk about, yeah, really. Talk about an explosion of emotion, huh? I mean, I haven't talked to you in a while. I've kind of done that on purpose because I wanted to let the season play out a little bit because we've seen the downs at the beginning of the season. We saw the way ups in the middle of the season, and now we're back to the downs. I mean, I noticed you came back from the break with uh, Biggie's Juicy, I could have seen you also doing it with Tupac's Changes because yeah. as a fan base, we've seen no changes except for that June and July this year for five years. This team is lost. This team is a joke. This team is going nowhere. 
they should cash in their berth right now and say, yeah, we don't want to play because we know we're going to lose. I mean, the, the Astros are salivating right now. I mean, for the way I feel, what's the worst thing you can hear from, from a parent? It's not that you're mad. It's that you're disappointed. Every game is predictable. I don't even need to turn on the game until about 9 o'clock to know that they didn't score any runs except for the occasional blowout, which will happen. But they don't hit except maybe a little bit, which isn't good enough. But just like at the beginning of the season, that did work for them. They wait for the end for a walk-off, which is not the way to sustainably be a winner in this league. Well, of course, it's, it's, it's moving runners over. It's hitting with runners in scoring position. It's, it's you know, making productive outs. And it, this Yankees team doesn't feel – it might look like it at times, but it just doesn't feel overall consistently that they do that on a consistent basis, whereas the team in Queens does. Right. And they seem to, during June and July, I don't know if it's because everybody was healthy at the time, so they wanted to maybe try something different, but – it's like as soon as people started going down, they went back to their all-about-the-home-run game, yep. which is showing in the standings how it doesn't work. And as far as Cashman and Hal go, they're both equally uh, culpable Culpable for this. Uh, Hal, I feel like it was part of George's stipulation in, in his will that he took over this team because he clearly has no interest for him to get any kind of uh, inheritance from him. And Cashman clearly is hamstrung by, you know, having a bargain basement shop. So, but, but in terms of the trades and the, and the terrible acquisitions he's made in what he can do, it's just been nowhere near effective enough. Right. And it's like they, this fan base is either too stupid to notice how bad things have gotten or they just don't care if they lose us. And well, Matt, I, I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. What I will say is this: you, you, you sort of nailed it. You kind of ran, went about it, around about it. The Yankees had um, a clear cut need for a number two starter for for two, the be, two seasons, possibly even three seasons. The past two or three seasons, a number two guy. To me, Garrett Cole's a number two guy, but that's besides the point. They went out and did what? They went out and got Frankie Montas. Frankie Montas. I mean, I'm not a, a Major League Baseball general manager, but I look at Frankie Montas and I was like, um, nope, not from the Yankees nor for the Mets. I, I'm on the record. You, you've listened to me say it. And Brian Cashin says, you know what? I'm making this deal. And look what happened. I mean, I, I ran a poll before. Like what? 75? 75- 5% of Yankee fans, 76% of Yankee fans don't even want to see. I'll say it again. They don't even want to see the pitcher that they that the Yankees acquired at the trade line to trade deadline to be the number two starting pitcher. Yankee fans don't even want to see him take the mound in the postseason. Like, what are we doing here? I don't get it. Ken in Manhattan, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, you're doing a really good job. I would love to hear you Monday to Fridays, 2 to 7. Oh, thanks, Ken. I appreciate that. We'll see. <laughs> you're doing a good job. You guys took so much of my, my thunder before. I want to talk to you about the Yankees hey. and about Major League Baseball in general. Great minds think alike. Not too much. Yes. So 
Well, the first thing is um, the Yankees, for the first part of the season, were overachieving. And the second part of the season, they're underachieving. And the, also, the argument can be made that Brian Cashman, with the exception of when he first got here, 1998, 99, 2000, and 2009, he's done a terrible job as general manager of this team. And they're just, they're just not that good. They have a history of overpaying for players. Mm-hmm. One of your previous callers brought up Giancarlo Stanton. They overpaid for him. They, it's almost like they're bidding against themselves with players that are just, that are just not that good. Yeah. And, and, and it all flows from the top, which is Mr. Steinbrenner. Everything flows downhill. Yep. And for some reason, to me, when George Steinbrenner died, that's when the, the heart, soul, and pulse of this team died. Mm. Ken, that was like poetic. That was like poetic. But it, it sort of kind of makes sense. I mean, the Yankees are, are now run in, you know, in a, in, a, in a manner that the bottom line matters. And I think for George, winning mattered at, at any cost. You saw the Yankees try to pull a page out of that book, 2009. Teixeira, Sabathia, Burnett, World Series. I mean, it's simple as that. Now it's like, who's the number two starter? Uh, How about the bottom third of the lineup, which is a black hole every single day? Resting players for what? They get hurt anyway. I mean, this new philosophy is ridiculous. So, yeah, I, I get it. Believe me, I get it. And I, I do want to pull in some Mets fans here to the conversation because, um, I, as I mentioned before, there there has been some troublesome news on the Starling Marte front. And I had an idea that I was going to bring to you, my loyal listener, with, with a lineup change. I know Buck Showalter doesn't like to change the lineup whatsoever at all, which is the stark contrast of what Aaron Boone's doing. Um, but... I don't know. Hear me out. Let, let's. I'm Daniel McCartan, and let us explore what what Starling Marte's pain means for the Mets lineup moving forward. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Welcome back to McCartan after midnight here on the Fan in New York City, rolling right along to two a.m. Mike Fliegelman comes your way. Then, yeah, the Mets got some bad news on the Starling Marte front. Uh, He told reporters before tonight's game that he tried throwing. He tried hitting on Thursday, but his fractured middle finger was still in pain. So that's concerning. But Marte said that this is a quote from, you know, through the translation that he said there's a good possibility he could be back by the end of the season. Well, which is news that is quite bad for the move that I would make in the Mets batting order. And I know that Buck Showalter rolls the same, what, the same top third, at least, of the order out there every game. The, the first four hitters are even are the same, maybe the first five. Mostly it's the first four. But I love him. But it's time to drop Brandon Nimmo out of the one spot. And I know the Mets have been, have been winning, even despite him there. I believe uh, over the past week, what are they, 4-3 and three now? They won tonight, so I think they're 4-3 and three over the past seven days. But since the last time you and I talked, and not including tonight's 0-2 with two walks and two strikeouts, 
not including it. So Brandon Nimmo has been hitting 1.91, 191, with only two extra base hits over the last seven games. And I know that he has, you know, the intangible qualities about him, you know, that, that right now, for me, do they outweigh his little downturn in production? No. Like, A, he has a masterful command of the strike zone. But over the past seven games, he's he's logged almost 9% of his total strikeouts for the year in the last seven games. That tells me he's not seeing the ball well. He doesn't have a good feel for the zone. Like, what is 9% of his strikeouts for the year have occurred in this past week? And B, yes, Brandon Nemo sees a ton of pitches in his first at-bat of the game. Like, what is it, seven pitches during the first at-bat? That's incredibly valuable to the the hitters behind him. Incredibly. But, again, not including tonight, 191 over the past six games is not what you want to see at the top of your batting order in, in in the spot that turns around the most in your batting order per game. So, I love him. He's my favorite Met. I love the way he plays the game. But Buck Showalter's got to make a move here. You got to move Brandon Nimmo down in that order. You have to. And I know, maybe you're calling me up already at 877-337-6666. You're like, all right, yeah, well, then what are you going to do? Who's going to lead off without Marte? Jeff McNeil. That's the answer. Jeff McNeil. Guy gets on base. Guy sprays the ball all over the field. Um... You know, it's he's just he's he's a hitter. The guy is a hitter by definition. So that's the move I'm making. Um, and I know Buck Showalter doesn't love change, doesn't like changing things. Whereas Aaron Boone changes it like he changes his underwear, the lineups. But 191 at, at in the you know the leadoff batter, your number one hitter is batting 191 over the past six and less now with the factoring the two strikeouts in for tonight. Um, it's time. Buck, it's time. As the Yankees, uh, I mean, as the Giants so flash onto the TV here, the Giants look to start the season 2-0 for the first time since 2016. The good old days for the Giants fans. Let's go to uh, to the phones at 877-337-6666. Justin in Tom's River is up next. Go ahead, Justin. What's going on, Danielle? What's up? So... I don't understand why we have been so married to this RPO option with Saquon Barkley. I feel like it has been a failure for Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Every time that he drops back and hesitates to hand that ball off yes. to Saquon Barkley, it doesn't give Saquon the opportunity to explode through a hole like Tiki used to do when they did the misdirection. Yep. And it, it it just delays the entire process, and right. the defense caves in and, and bottles them up. Yep. I don't understand why they keep doing that, and I think we need to start doing more direct runs or pitches to the outside and giving him space yep. to create something. But Daniel Jones and an RPO situation where he's delaying that handoff is killing us. Yeah, or even or even the pass option, right? So the delayed handoff and then the look to downfield. It's it's like it's it's too late. It's almost too late for those for Daniel Jones to make a read. Always. Always. Yeah. Yes. 
You it's know, always I, too late. I, I can see it sitting in my living room. Yeah. I know when they're giving it to him and we see the linebackers crashing down yep. and he gets bottled up. Like, you know, the last few years he's been criticized for, you know, stutter stepping behind the line and yep. not, you know, doing anything of any major importance. This guy is, is epic with his ability to break things. And, you know, when we had Tiki Barber, we would do a misdirection and a, a counter a counter tray or something like that to the outside. We're not doing that, giving the the opportunity for him to hit a hole and run. Right, and, and we're and that's, giving the defense right. more of an opportunity. Exactly, to and Saquon Barkley in space is dangerous. Saquon Barkley, and and I saw, I guess it must have been Daniel Jones's rookie year. I'm thinking back years now, but he was most effective. His best quarterback rating then, I, I don't know now, but his best quarterback rating as a as a rookie was in situations where there was a play action pass happening. Daniel Jones excelled. Yes. I, I feel as though Daniel Jones will best excel when we're doing true runs, and then we throw a wrinkle in, and he bootlegs and runs. But when it's a, an RPO situation, mm-hmm. it's so readable, and he doesn't make the best decisions. That I don't feel like it's best catered to his abilities yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Justin, you, you, you got your coach goggles on when you're watching the games, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> drives me nuts. Yeah. I can tell. I know. I can tell when they're going to run it. It's like, ah, and then they get bottled up and it takes a two-yard loss. Yep. No, I get you, Justin. And you know what? Saquon Barkley, by the way, the, you mentioned the stutter stepping. Yeah, the stutter stepping is one thing. The running east to west is, is something that bothered me so much. I hated watching Saquon Barkley run east to west, sideline to sideline. He is best and most effective. I mean, remember the quads. You can't forget the quads. The guy is like chiseled like a Greek statue. He's got muscles on top of muscles. He's best when he hits the hole north-south, takes five guys with him behind him. You know, in the old school NFL blitz games, how they had the guys used to hold on, you know, the video games. And so that's what I want to see more from Saquon Barkley. And I agree with you. Uh, Daniel Jones, that, that, that hesitation, the offensive line isn't good enough to sustain him. He was under duress. 69% of his dropbacks last week, and he still got it done, despite the offensive line, in spite of the offensive line's poor play. You're on to something. You're on to something to the Bronx and Douglas. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Great to be connecting with you tonight, finally. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got through. I got through. I got some quick TV tidbits you'd be interested in, and then I'll get to my Yankee and Giants points. Okay. First up, Five nights ago, Apple TV Plus's Ted Lasso, winner of four Emmy Awards. I saw. I love Ted Lasso. It's, if, if you have it not re- joined the Ted Lasso train, you better. Repeated as Outstanding Comedy Series for yep. the second year in a row. Yep. Jason Sudeikis, Best Actor. Brett Goldstein, Best Supporting Actor. You know him better as Roy Kent. So congratulations to them. <laughs> He's my favorite. I love Roy Kent as my favorite character. He's very gruff, right? But in a funny way, right? He's hilarious. Um, Two nights from now, Disney Plus has the 31st season premiere of Dancing with the Stars. Three of its competitors include Vinny from the Jersey Shore. That's right. Teresa Giudice from the Housewives. And Channel 7 Weatherman, same champion. I know. He'll be among the cast. We are well represented from this area on that show. Right. On CBS Wednesday, the 31st season of the the Amazing Race. Wait, Douglas, wait. Before that, you've got Jesse James Decker, too, on, on uh, Dancing with the Stars, too. That's Eric Decker's you wife. You got it, yep. right? 
right? That's right. Um, and uh, and Wayne Brady, he's part of the cast too. Yeah, they got a stacked cast. A stacked cast. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, CBS Wednesday, Amazing Race, former Jets and Bills head coach Rex Ryan. Oh, yeah. They will start his race yep. that night. And Circular Calendar, Wednesday, October 12th, 8 p.m. The Challenge. TV Challenge, season 38. Yep. Rider Dies. Um, I just finished the CBS version of the challenge, and I liked it for the most part, except for the season finale. Get this. Ten competitors in the season finale this past week, three of them disqualified, Uh five of them quit, only one man, one woman made it all the way to the end. Give me the MTV season, please. I cannot come fast enough. The competitors are more combative, they're more confrontational, they're more competitive, and they make for good TV. So... Can't wait. October 12th. Okay. So there, there's your TV uh, tidbits for you, Danielle. <laughs> okay. On to the Yankees. I'm going to pretend like I'm Alanis Morissette. Isn't it ironic? Mm. The Yankees proclaim, we have no room for Jordan Montgomery in the playoffs. He won't be able to pitch. Well, they acquired a guy in Frankie Montas with shoulder issues coming in. Uh, he should not have room in the playoffs with the Yankees. So we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. As for the Giants, this is the first show that you had since that incredible win. I'm still basking in it. <laughs> but I still feel <laughs> the coaching staff, they are not resting on their laurels. I, I do feel that um, you know they, in recent years, they've had big wins, but they never capitalized on building on those wins in, success, in successive weeks. Um, so um, that's for that. Like, uh, like I read that uh, you know that's their next big hurdle that uh, this past week. Stable, he was really letting the team have it in practice, saying they were sluggish or they had to restart practice. But I want to relay a quote that the defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, said to reporters and to the press, but he's really relaying it to us Giant fans, and maybe this is a tip for anyone going to the Giant Stadium tomorrow, um, yep. Life Stadium, if you mm-hmm. think. He said, if you want to be part of changing this culture here with the Giants, be loud. And have that place rocking where people don't want to come to our stadium. Yeah, I hear I hear we'll that. We'll take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. We'll take care of the rest and we'll give you something to be loud about. Hey, I, I I'm all, all on board and yes, I I'm hoping for them to know because it's not just enough to get that big win last week. I want us to build upon it. I'm not I'm not like other Giants fans that's predicting a Super Bowl like the gas attendant you ran into. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I am not that delusional. But let's just build <laughs> on it. Let's do it gradually. And that's my take on that. Yeah, and, and Douglas, and, and you know what? I, I feel bad now. We're trashing this guy if he's listening to the radio and he's like, wait a second. I pumped her gas and she's talking about me. Imagine yeah. that. I can't. I can't. I might have to drive back and uh, and uh, just ride ride through there uh, on my way home and be like, hey, your topic of my conversation tonight on my, on my job, on my weekend job. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, just think, you know, last year, the Giants, they won that unexpected win in week four against New Orleans. But then the next two games, they got blown out. So, I mean, Dable knows all this. I mean, they know that he knows the recent history. So, yes, I think he's tried to prevent that letdown. And I also like, you know, during the game last week that he consulted all the veterans to say, when we're going to close this margin to one. I want to go for two. Like he, yes. he I, I, they I, knew I it going that in. aspect to yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Like he wasn't, he wasn't surprising the team. Like, Oh, let's go for two, which I think a lot of coaches do. They, they surprise the yeah. team. Oh, we're two. Oh, okay. Like he kind of set it up, like yeah. built it, built it. And that's, I think that's the effect, more effective approach. Cause at least they had the mindset that we're preparing ourselves to get to that lead. And it was of course effective. Yeah. Douglas, you nailed it there. Um, and, you're right about that. You know, it's not the knee-jerk reaction of, 
Yep, we're going to go for two. Uh, 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 scramble for a play. That one. They knew it. The Giants knew it going in that if they were in that situation, that's what they were going to do. And, you know, we could talk about – I want to talk about, because this is my first time on since it since that day, the bravado of the brand-new first-time, first-game-ever head coach, Brian Dable, going for two. I loved it, and I loved the decision, uh, whether or not they converted it. The decision itself, I loved. I'm Danielle McCartan, and tell me what you thought of Brian Dayball's going for two at 877-337-6666. And we could also talk about and extrapolate out what that aggressiveness could mean as a microcosm for this New York Giants football season up next here on The Fan. Perfect. Early, early Sunday morning, 68 degrees, going up to 84 at MetLife Stadium today. Woohoo! You know, a friend uh, texted me around, I don't even know, 10 o'clock, and he was like, hey, uh, two Giants tickets fell into my lap for tomorrow. You want to go? And I was like, ah, oh, like, oh, I already had things that I cannot move scheduled for Sunday afternoon. I can't. And it killed me to type no. It killed me. I did not want to type no. I tried to think of other ways around what I have scheduled to move him. And it's just, it's just, it's just not possible. So um, I am going with him, though, on October 3rd. So if you're at the Bears game, Giants Bears, October 3rd, I'll be there. And, you know, speaking of, the Giants are, are, are kicking off their home opener at MetLife Stadium. Uh, let me look at just about 12 hours from now, pretty much. And I wish I was going, but I'm not. And if you are, have a great time. And there, I just, there's just nothing like going to a live game, especially football and hockey, really. But, you know, one of the things that you loved to see from the Giants in week one was that aggressiveness of Brian Dayball and going for two in that situation. And I know it's been talked about, but this is the first time I've gotten to talk about it. You know, I'm only on on weekends, unfortunately. But, you know, down by one. One minute and six seconds left in the fourth quarter. Saquon Barkley punches that two-point conversion in, and you loved it. And I loved it, even if it didn't actually work. You want to know why? Because I want you to think back to week 18, the last game that Joe Judge ever will coach as a head coach in the NFL. And I was there. It was freezing, wind-whipped, freezing cold, Hand warmers, feet warmers, still cold. And I'm right there. And in that second quarter, we had seats in the lower bowl, you know, from the secondary market, lower bowl, behind the goalpost, kind of, sort of, off to the side. And in our end zone, Joe Judge had Jake Fromm running not one, but two quarterback sneaks from within his own five-yard line. And we didn't need... Bob Papa to say anything. We didn't need whoever was doing the game on whatever network it was on to say anything. We all looked at each other in that stadium like, what the hell is he doing? What the hell is going on here? I mean, it was just like, you know what? Wave the white flag. The game was so over. The season was so over. It was just disgusting. Just end the season. That's the Jets moniker, right? J-E-T-S, just end the season. Well, that was week 18. The last week, the last time... Giant fans were able to see their team in blue on a field, and that's what happened. And I want you to fast forward now a couple months. Brian Dayball in week one of this season with one play call right there in week one. 
It wiped away the agony and the complacency that has plagued this team for years. And, you know, it it may have been about winning a game that no one, including myself, picked the Giants to win. But more importantly, going for two in that situation, whether you converted it or not, was about changing a culture. And that's exactly what Dayball was brought in here to do. And he said after the game, he said, quote, we were going for the win. We're going to be aggressive. That's the mindset I want the players to have. If it didn't work, I could live with it. I trust Saquon Barkley. And you know what? If it didn't work, I could live with it too. And I think a lot of Giants fans could live with it if it didn't work. Because it represented something more. And it just so happened to work. It just so happened that the trust that you have in in Saquon Barkley and, and his legs, I mean, he was dead to rights in the backfield. And he made it work. Made it happen. And the players, I'm telling you, love to be trusted again. I mean, Saquon himself said, Dable's a man of his word. He told us he's going to be aggressive. He told us he's going to lean on the players to make plays. In that situation, he did exactly that. When you have a coach like that, it's definitely going to make you go out there and fight for him. That's what Saquon said after the game. Daniel Jones, speaking to a caller's point made before, I think it was Doug, Douglas, he said, Daniel Jones said, I wasn't surprised. I don't think any of us were surprised by that at all. Probably because they practiced how they played. That's a motto I live by. You practice how you play. And Sterling Shepard also said, we all knew it. We knew we were going to go for it because he told us last night. He said, I am not going to coach scared. And I believe everything that man says. I am not going to coach scared. That's the other thing. Brian Dable is coaching to win games. Whereas in the past, it's been coaching not to lose games. Not to lose games move would have been kicking, taking the extra point and, 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 you know, sending it to overtime away in Nashville at the mercy of a coin flip. I'm not going to coach scared. Can we put that on a t-shirt, please? He told us last night that was the game plan going into the game. The Giants are prepared for any situation, for any possible outcome under this head coach. Embrace the change, Giants Nation. Embrace it. 877-337-6666. Bill in Norwalk, Connecticut, Bill. What's up? How we doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm fired up here at 1 a.m., Bill. I, I don't know. I, I'm just talking about these Giants, and I'm just fired up. I can't explain it. I don't know. I can't, I can't believe you're not going to the game tomorrow. Whatever you have must be important. It, I'll be there. Oh, um, I know. It is, and I can't move it. I tried. Uh, I all tried. right. All right. I'm sure it's important. But uh, I just want to, like, I, I echo your sentiment completely. When I was watching the game, first of all, I almost turned it off at halftime. But um, it, when they scored, I said to myself, man, it'd be great if we went for two points. We haven't won an opening day in six years. Mm-hmm. A man's got nothing to lose, and sure enough, he does it, and they go for it. Yep. Obviously, the giant fan base is enamored. You've touched on it a little bit, but, you know, what would happen if he didn't make it? Would we, I mean, what would the conversations be like? Because no one's really covered it. Now they listen all week, and no one really said, well, what if he didn't? What if he didn't? Like, what if they, the, you mean, what if they didn't convert on the two point conversion? Go for exactly. it, and it didn't work? Exactly. You know what, though, Bill? I think my feeling would have been the same. It, it, the guy's aggressive, he's playing to win the game. 
And I would have thought the same. I, I loved it. I almost tweeted it at the time, and I just couldn't get it out there fast enough when I was watching it. Um, but I loved it. I, I just loved it. And, and the conversation here tonight would have been, you know what? It's a different era for Giants fans. He, he wasn't going to settle for the tie. He went for it away. You got to go for it. You got to go for it in that situation. I'm, I'm with you. You know, I don't know. This Giants fan base has been so beat up lately. You know, I don't know what would have happened, but I agree with you. There was nothing to lose there. Exactly. One, no one, one I, opening day victory in 12 years. And no one was picking the Giants to win anyway. No one was picking Nobody. the Giants to win that game, including me. Nobody. I mean, including me. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant. I just, you know, the team is all in now. If they weren't already, I mean, how can you not believe in this guy? And look, I'm a realist. I, I, you know. I'm expecting the 500 season at best. I'll be happy with that. But I think this is a team that's going to compete hard all year round. And that's something we didn't get last year. You know, as evident as you were just saying with the whole kneel down garbage in game 17 last week. Oh, awesome. It's something to be excited about. And look, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I think most of the fan base is going to have tempered excitement. But look, opening day is going to be rocking tomorrow. We, we have something to be exciting about. Mm-hmm. This is a regime that is going to make us winners again. Maybe not this year, but I have full faith in these guys. And, and and Sunday last week couldn't have stamped it any any further. That's exactly that it. These guys, yeah, so Giants fans, I think we got the right people in place. Time will tell, but it's uh, I'm excited, and it's the first time I've been able to say that in a while. So, um, thank you for pointing it out. You know, for you know sharing the excitement, and uh, love listening to your show. And um, I'll be there tomorrow. Wish you were there. Ah, me let's too. Go Big Blue. Yeah, let's go Big Blue, Bill. Yeah, you got it. You nailed it. Let's go big blue. You know, I, I wish I can go. I just, I, I, I just, I, I cannot. I, I can't. And it killed me. It killed me to say it. But you, you know what? Flip the tables. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that, that it didn't work. The two-point conversion did not work. Okay, but still, the facts are the facts. Dayball told the team the night before, if they were in that situation, they were going for it. Saquon Barkley saying he, he's trusting in the players to make it make the play happen. Got him in Daniel Jones's face after the error. I mean, the the the, the complacency, the the period of complacency for the New York Giants is over with. It's done. No more excuses. And I think, you know, you know, Joe Judge in his opening press conference said that the Giants fans they are you know the blue collar. They want to have the blue collar mentality, all that. But he didn't display it. He had he had the talk. He talked to talk. He didn't walk the walk. Brian Dable's saying none of that. None of those catchphrases. None of that. None of that. He's showing you on the field. And yes, okay, the Titans missed the field goal at the end. I I get it. But those are the kind of games that the Giants were losing last year. Those close games are the ones that the Giants were losing. And a little bit of faith in the players goes a long way. They're professionals. You know what I mean? So, Brian, are we going to do a break here and then an update or just go right to the top here? You could do a break. Uh, no, you could actually go to the update. I think I think we're ready for a Giants Super Bowl update. Oh, well, and that I don't, Emmanuel's in here now. Emmanuel, I was at the gas station before pumping, getting my gas pumped okay. in New Jersey. And uh, I happened to be wearing a Giants cap. Right. And the, the guy, I rolled down the window, he asked for gas, whatever, and he, he's like, hey, oh, Giant fan. Okay, uh, the Giants, they're going to go to Super Bowl this year. Wow. And I was like, yeah? Bold. <laughs> I was like, yeah? What Feel, other drugs do they sell at the gas station? <laughs> what? Feeling week one a bit. Yeah, and that's that's the week one bravado of the Giants go for two and win the game. Where I'm from, we call that delusion. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the guy must be listening right now, and he's like, damn, I, I pumped that girl's gas just before. Now they're talking about me all night on the radio. But um, He was getting a little tantalized by the gas station, and I don't know, man. I think just got, got outside himself for a moment. There. I don't know. He was like, yeah, 1-0, Giants are going to win the Super Bowl. And I was like, really? And, and I had a $50 free bet just appear in my MGM, bet MGM, and I've never bet $50 on anything in my life. And I'm wondering, like, Wait a second. This might be a sign. Uh, maybe I should put the free bet on the Giants to win the Super Bowl. Brian's more versed in this than I am, but you could probably cash out something major if you bet that right now. Yeah, I would just donate yeah. that money to charity or I would give it to a homeless person. Uh, yeah. Tackle kids' cancer. Maybe I can do it for there. Fill up your gas tank again. The gas fumes were oh my profound God. at that Yeah, what station. else do they say? What other drugs do they sell at that gas station? Oh, stop. No, he, he, he was like, I was like, I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, really? Oh. He goes, yep, you know, the Giants are going to win tomorrow, and then they're going to beat the Cowboys, and then they're going to beat the, the Bears, and I don't know what comes after that, but they're going to win the Super Bowl. All you can do there, I think, is smile, though. Because that's what I did. That's all I did. That's what optimism is. <laughs> yeah. That's what we haven't had for, for so long. Right. That You know, let that guy, let that guy believe that that's they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to no, crush his hopes. I I'm not going to crush his hopes. Rain that, on this parade. Th- there's a fine line between optimism and delusion, and, and he and he's crossed that fine line. I don't know, man. You know, all I was focused on, you know what I was focused on? I was watching the traffic build on the George Washington Bridge, and I was like, if this guy, if I engage this guy in conversation, I'm going to be here all night, and I can't afford to do that. So I was just kind of smiling and nodding at him. And It's people parking their cars trying to get a good spot for the giant parade. <laughs> just getting there early. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, on the on the uh, uh, approach to the George Washington Bridge, and and there, and oh, it was awful. It was so bad. Hey, Danielle, wow. uh, what kind of extension did they give Daniel Jones? Is it going to be less than Aaron Judge's extension? Oh, more or less. Eight five five. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, take, yeah. Take that over to the down the hall. You know what a good question would be? What does an extension for Saquon Barkley look like? I don't it, think he get. I don't think he gets one. Like he's he's too injury. Unless he goes off this year and and gives you an, a literal MVP quality season, you can't justify giving him an extension. He I think, might. He can't. But he might. It's a contract the, the year. He might. After, again, we're having this conversation after one good <laughs> performance. He could tear his ACL on the first play tomorrow, and then this Who's whole conversation that? is moot. Is mute. I'm, he's, I'm not, Mr. I'm not, he's Mr. Negative. He's glass no, half no, empty. No, no, I'm not. I'm not hoping for that. I'm. am just uh, saying, like the, the delusional takes of Saquon Barkley has one great game in Tennessee, and we're talking about an extension. Not Whereas to, a, a, a week ago, if I would have mentioned a Saquon Barkley extension, you'd think I'm. You think I'm as crazy as the guy at the gas station. Not to rain on the week one parade. I, the real question is going to become, what's Barkley's trade value if he continues playing this well? The Giants aren't looking at Saquon Barkley as a future mm. cornerstone here. The new regime isn't keeping Saquon Barkley around. So you don't want to think about that after week one where he dominates for you. But if that continues, what's he getting you back? That's the point because because let's paint a scenario where Leonard Fournette goes down. Let's paint a scenario where Jonathan Taylor goes down. And one of those teams that's looking to compete, looking to make a playoff run, can use a running back at that point. What is someone going to be willing to offer you, Saquon, if he has a crazy year? Because that, that's looking at at least a first-round pick. And then, you know what? That, speaking of your $50 bet, you cash back your first-round pick for Saquon Barkley. You say thanks for your service and let, and let him go off to a competitor. Then you get rid of the giant Super Bowl bet while you're at <laughs> it. Yeah, clear that. Once Again, I would just donate it to Chuck. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Man, it's been lively tonight. So lots of Yankees talk, a little bit of Mets talk. We can do more of that. Um, so far, the Giants as well. Giants making big moves, man. I just loved it. Whether they converted on that or not, I just loved it. We got Brian McKeon behind the glass taking your calls at 877-337-6666. Oh, now, although 
I had an opportunity to go to the Giants home opener tomorrow, which I just I couldn't swing. I would have loved to. I just couldn't. Um, I went to the Jets home opener last week as a guest of – it's a Twitter group. If you're a Jet fan, um, go ahead and get on Twitter uh, and type in Jets Lounge. Um, and I was a guest of the Twitter group Jets Lounge. It's a fan group. And let me tell you, it was such an awesome experience. I mean, those seats on September 11th, the the – the end zone to end zone flag held by, you know, the first responders, the whole thing. It was just awesome. And, you know, they were in the seats were in the hangar section of MetLife Stadium, which is, as I learned, you can like reach up and touch the scoreboard, you know, those corner scoreboards, one of them. And I mean, it poured. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. It didn't matter, though. We had three levels of stadium style style indoor seating. It was a huge suite, white couches, which I loved. We had our own bathrooms, even better. And for girls, that's a huge deal because lines are outrageous. Always. Not here, though. We had our own bar with two bartenders. So, I mean, there were lines nowhere last Sunday, which I loved. And, you know, it was just so fun to watch the game among, I mean, really, so many diehard Jets fans. And these are the fans that participate in the Twitter spaces. You know, that's where I met all of them. And I finally met them in person. It's like weird. Years ago, if you ever met someone in a chat room, you were, you know, going to get murdered. But, you know, now you meet people on Twitter and it's not so bad. Or you dial a car to pick you up and bring you from point A to point B on your phone and it's not so bad, right? It's still dangerous, but you know what I mean. Um, But it was just, I don't know, it was the only thing missing last week was a Jets win. And maybe for the offense to show up at all. But really, well done by the Jets lounge. Thank you very much for the opportunity, for the experience. Um, and, I, and I can't wait for the next one. So whenever that may be. <laughs> um, I got I got a tweet. I'm going to wait till Brian gets off the phone. I'm gonna, I got a tweet to read to him. All right, so before we do that, let's get to the phones at 877-337-6666. Uh, Fred in the Bronx wants to tell us something about the Yankees. Go ahead. Hi, friend. Nice talking to you. Uh, first time I talked to you. So um. I just started listening to this show uh, about two weeks. But what I want to talk about, Fran, is what's the Who you, Wait a Penn? minute. Fred, what are you calling me? Who are you calling me? I thought, he, I thought your name was Fran. I, I, is it Fran? No, I'm sorry, it's, I, it's Danielle, but go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Danielle. Because okay. my, I'm already hearing. It's okay. I'm 59 years old. It's all good. Sorry, Danielle. That's fine. Uh, okay, anyway, I want to talk about Stan. What is his problem? Why is his timing so off? I mean, it's all ridiculous. I mean, I played. I, I didn't play baseball. But I used to play football. His timing is terrible. And here's the, the, the that I want to say: uh-huh. if Stan doesn't hit in the playoffs, we're not going far. Yeah. Well, he carried and the team. Not, he carried the team last postseason. That's for sure. Yes. And, and so my opinion is, if he doesn't hit, we're not going far. Yeah. Because I called yesterday. I mentioned about Rivera. That's one of the key factors why we because our, our homes. I don't. I don't know. I just don't have confidence in him. I mean, he's not going to stay on. You can't stay the guy out in two weeks. I don't know. So yeah. I just want to get your opinion on that. So. Yeah, Fred, the original question here, and thanks for that. The, the original question is, what, what's wrong with Stanton? And, um, well, here's the deal. He was out for a while with an injury, right? He was out for over a month. Hadn't picked up a bat in over a month. Comes back August 25th. And now I'm looking at the numbers between August 25th and the 16th. So not counting last night's game. Okay, he's hitting 150, 150 with two home runs since August 25th. I mean, that's almost, I'm going to round up like my mom always does. She rounds up. That's almost a month. 
two home runs in almost a month. One double. One extra base hit. Well, I guess the home run would be so, but one double, two home runs, and 19 strikeouts, and he's hitting 150. What could possibly be going on here? Um, You know, I think the excuse of him not being used to because you know when you're out you're not you're not eating 95 mile an hour fastballs for breakfast every day right so i but that was the excuse early on right and i'm wondering and and i did say it i did believe that but now i mean this is an extended extended 17 game slump and it's concerning and and i don't have the answer uh i wish i did but all i can do is point out really i mean the numbers back up your claim fred that the Yankees are, I mean, that, that John Carlos Stanton has not been good. And he hasn't been good since he's come back from injury. And I don't know an explanation for it. I just don't. I mean, the approach is wrong. Clearly, there's something going on. He's looking for something and getting something else. Um, mechanically, there's got to be something off. Maybe he's still feeling effects. Of, I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying to figure out why a, a guy that is, you know, in the four-hole or the three-hole or the five-hole for the New York Yankees is batting 150, and he's still allowed to stay there. So, I I, I wish I had an answer for you, and I and I don't. Sorry. Uh, let's go to uh, Brian and Brick. You're up next. Go ahead. How you doing, Danielle? What's up, Brian? Uh, I was calling about the uh, the whole thing coming up with Saquon Barkley. Everyone's riding his 164 yard game. The the Giants cannot re-sign him. Love the guy, does a great job when he's running downhill. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be a huge. They have enough problems right now with the uh, salary cap. Mm-hmm. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL when it comes to the salary cap. Yep, because yeah. of what Gettleman did. Yep. So you're going to handcuff the rest of the fr- the team to sign a running back. Yep. When let's be honest. Most teams now in the NFL have guys who are drafted a third, the fifth, the seventh round, run a two platoon offense where they have, you know, their 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 ground guy and their receiving running back. It just seems like a waste of money. And then on top of that, you have Daniel Jones, who's still a question mark. Yep. And if he has a decent season, I'm assuming. They're going to franchise him. Yep. And they're going to have to fork over $43 million a year because teams like the Arizona Cardinals overpaid for Kyler Murray. Yeah. And and Deshaun Watson up uh, uh, in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. His, his contract is just ridiculous. That I, I cannot believe. I can't believe it still. That, 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 that was allowed. I can't believe I, that. I can't believe he was allowed to play in the NFL anymore. But that's well, a different. I agree, but different subject. Yep, I agree. Um, but yeah, but, I know. And, and and Brian, you make a great point, right? So the Giants are in salary cap hell. Everybody knows that they are under league average in the amount of dollars that they have left to spend. Why would they spend it on a running back? It's a great point, and 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 Emmanuel said it. Let's see what he would command on on the trade market. Unfortunately, right? Because he's just telling Steve Serby of, of the Post that, that he wants to be a, a giant for life. Like like yesterday, he just said it like, you know, 24 hours ago, less than, even less than. But the way the Giants are set up right now, it's just not, it's not a good situation. 
It was left to them. They're gonna. It's gonna take the better part. I would say three years to dig out of what Dave Gettleman did to that team, ran them into the ground. So yeah, I I agree with you. I don't I don't know if Saquon Barkley finishes this season on the New York Giants. I just don't. Nick in Jersey, you're up on a fan. Hey, what's up? How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Um, I just wanted to call in because um, everybody was talking about Giants fans talking about how like we're all saying we're going to win the Super Bowl this year, and I don't know a single <laughs> Giants fan in my life that thinks we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Like this is a project. This is like a three to four year project. While we yep. have Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau on rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley does not matter as far as this goes. Daniel Jones, if he can prove himself by the end of the year, he might be a part of it. But, like, that's it's a project. I'm happy that we beat the Titans. That's awesome. That's, like, exciting, yep. you know? But, like, yeah, maybe maybe the Giants are a 9-8 and eight team this year. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. But, like, by no means do Giants fans think that we're a Super Bowl team this year. Well, the guy at the gas station tonight did. (laughs) Oh, you ran into people that were saying that? Oh, yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, I had a Giants hat on on the way into the studio, and the guy at the gas station said, Giants, they're going to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) All I did was kind of, like, laugh and nod because... I didn't want to get into it with him, but no, it's nine and a nine and eight season for the New York Giants would be exceeding expectations. It would be that would be the ideal. Maybe they back into a playoff spot, but they're not winning the Super Bowl. They're not winning the NFC. But with the injury to no. Dak Prescott, I'm curious to see how they finish in the NFC East now. Yeah, that's a mess. It's a mess. I, I, it's a wide open division. It really is, and has been historically for the past couple years. That I'd be interested to see. They're not close to the Eagles. Like they're not they're not playing the same sport as the Eagles. They are. No, the Eagles are the Eagles are scary right now. But I feel like Hertz is gonna be another McNabb. Like I don't really see anything special in him, but he's gonna be good. But I don't think he's good enough. Yeah. Way more than what Daniel Jones is. Mm, that I disagree. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, I think Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones in the right system. Impressive. Yeah, Daniel Jones and Nick, thanks for the call. Daniel Jones in the right system, under the right mindset, put in the right position to succeed. I mean, he was under duress for 69% of the dropbacks last week, and he still made it happen. He still did. He still did made he make it, it happen? He still had the same problems he's always had in his entire career. He had turnovers, didn't throw for a lot of yards. Really wasn't. Everyone saw what the performance Barkley had. For, but it didn't call for it. Like Jimmy Garoppolo took the, the 49ers how far, and they, and they ran the ball almost every single play. That's not what the recipe called for in that. Jimmy Garoppolo turned the ball over like Daniel Jones turns the ball over. Mm. We're going. We're in year four, and he's still turning the ball over like he is. Mm. I mean, the interception he threw last week when they were down in the red zone—that that's that's a bonehead play that fourth-year quarterbacks don't make. Well, he hasn't had the correct coaching until this year. To uh, we, just but we're that all out. Well, no, but we're all talking about Brian Dables, the, the next uh, Vince Lombardi. So, no one said that, though, Brian. But, but we are. We're no. all praising on, Bri- Brian. Brian Dable like he's on, this Brian. amazing coach. And he made right, the let me most... go back to the calls here, Brian. Paul in Floral Park, you're up next here on The Fan. Oh, Danielle. What's up, I, Paul? I, yeah, yeah, how are you? I'm how great. How are you? All right. I mean, could, could be better I mean, for us Yankee fans. I mean, Jesus, Lord have mercy. I know. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know which way to, to, to react to it. Should I cry? Should I... 
should I scream? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know, man. It's 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 you know they're the second. If the season ended today, they they have locked up the second seed in the AL, yeah. and it doesn't yeah. feel like it. The Yankees are about no, to run away no. with the AL East, and it doesn't feel like it. Right, exactly. It's exactly. a weird feeling. You the words right out of my mouth with everything that you were saying, as I would say, tweeting you tonight. Yeah, you took everything out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly, exactly. You read into it. But, um, yeah, I mean, how Steinbrenner, why can't he just equalize the one his father was? Mm. I mean, come on. Ah, God. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, Brian Cashman, he, he's, yeah, he's driving us crazy. Uh, uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm trying to hold up. I I just keep rooting for them, but but come on. Yeah. But the the, the Giants, I like tomorrow. That's, uh, that's good. Uh, I took Cincinnati in the knockout pool this week. They're playing Dallas tomorrow, so. The CBS, uh, Dallas, uh, that's good. Who'd you have last yeah. week, Paul? I'm curious because I lost uh, on the 49ers. Uh, uh, I hate them. That's right. I forgot to tell you. I had uh, Philadelphia last week. Mm. Of course, they won. Uh, yeah, they just barely squeezed that one out with mm-hmm. the terrible uh, Detroit Lions. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. you tell me the Giants can't beat the Eagles? Come on. Yeah, I mean, so they could beat this team. Uh, to, um, uh, the Giants are playing uh, Carolina. So, yeah, yes. Yeah. They'll, uh, they'll, uh, they'll take him. I, I mean, who the hell is Carolina? Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, With Baker Mayfield, mouths. you know, Robbie Anderson yeah. over the top. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. I mean, we saw a lot of crazy games last week, so so expected to see you again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching with the Sweeney's, uh, my, uh, <laughs> my sister and her eyes, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. a little part in uh, Grace, uh, does he, she doesn't care about football, neither does my sister. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Paul. Enjoy um, the oh, games tomorrow. All right. Take care. Let's all right, Danielle. Nice right. talking to you. Bye. Thank, thank you. The best part, well, I shouldn't say the best. What I don't like about tomorrow's games is that they're both at 1 p.m. You got the Jets at 1 and the Giants at 1. Oh, and I mean, luckily, that there was that one day that I accidentally sat on the remote. I plopped down on the couch and accidentally sat on it. You know, I didn't see it underneath the pillow or whatever. And all of a sudden, I figured out picture in picture. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the best mistake I ever made in my life. And now I can watch both of them on picture in picture tomorrow. Jets, Giants, both at the same time. As the Jets look to avoid an 0-2 start for their fourth consecutive season. Same old Jets, Robert Sala. You you want to tell me all the time that it's not the same old Jets? You have a different group there? Tell me, tell me, tell me. You got to show me. You got to show me. Because as of right now, I was at that game. There was a, a malaise on that team in that offense. It was awful. It was People were streaming out at halftime. Yeah, I don't even want to get into it. But, you know, you're taking receipts? Go ahead. Take this one. Go ahead. Take mine. Mike in Florida, you're up next here on The Fan. Danielle, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Mike? How are you? I'm good. I'm not too bad. Listen, I can tell you exactly how the playoffs are going to go for the Yankees. Okay. Gary Cole is going to pitch game one. He's going to give up three home runs in five innings. And I'm a diehard Yankee fan. Don't misunderstand me. Okay. He's going to give up three home runs in in five innings. And they're going to lose. And they're going to be in a hole. And then Nestor Cortez is going to pitch game two. 
and he's going to keep him in the game. Mm-hmm. And Mike Stanton, I, I, I still call him Mike. Yeah, Mike Giancarlo. Yeah, yeah. Mike Stanton's going to going to strike out three times with men on base. This this team just ain't built for it. And and the problem is that Brian Cashman is stale. Hmm. Stale. Stale. That's a pretty good adjective. Stale. Hey, listen, man. He's holding on to this job like a pope. Yep. Or a Supreme Court justice. Exactly. Yeah. And it's time to shake. It's time to shake it up. My- I I don't look. I'm 49 years old. I remember watching the 78 Yankees. That's the first memory I have of baseball. But enough's enough. It's like he 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 has married into this this long ball, this home run narrative for the past couple years. It hasn't worked for him. He can't find pitching. I mean, really, he just can't. Okay. He can't find a pitcher to save his life, really. But for some nope. reason, somehow, he still. And Mike, can you imagine? If 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 Aaron Judge plays elsewhere next season, do you think Brian Cashman still has a job or no? I'd fire him on the spot. They need an infusion of new blood. It's just it's like I said, stale. It's just it's 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 gotten to the point where something's got to get shook up. Something's got to get shook up. It's 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 just no good anymore. Yeah, it's it's bad. You know, Mike. You know what they need. And thanks for the call there, Mike. You know what the Yankees need. They need more guys like an Andrew Benintendi, like a DJ LeMahieu type, the Andrew Benintendi type that are just gonna put the ball in play and hit situationally. That's why I believe, and 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 depends on the teams around it. But but in a perfect world, the Mets are a better built team for the postseason. They've got Degrom, Scherzer, Bassett as their top three starters, which I wouldn't want to face any of them. And they've got guys that can hit for power, steal bases. I mean, the Yankees don't really have that. They have guys that can hit the ball far when they hit it. And then the bottom of the order is a is a black hole. I mean, take your pick. Hicks, Higashioka, Peraza. Come on. So, anyway, uh, let's do this. Uh... 122. Let's do, uh, I got my New York Giants pick. Everybody's talking about the Giants tonight, which is great. I'm wearing a Giants cap, all nice. Um, Daniel McCartan, I will give you my New York Giants Carolina Panthers pick for tomorrow. The uh, 18th, oh, yeah, Sunday, the 18th of uh, of 2022 in the second week of the NFL season. Stay, hang tight, 877-337-6666 if you want to give me your thoughts as well. <laughs> McCartan after midnight here on The Fan in New York City. My name is Danielle McCartan. I'm with you till 2 a.m. Mike Fliegeman comes your way. Brian McKeon on the other side of the glass. Um, question for you. Uh, let's see. I wanted to play a guessing game here, but I think I might just give you the information. Passing leaders from last week in terms of passer rating. Leading the league, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Justin Herbert, number two. Geno Smith, number three. Kirk Cousins, number four. Number five, Jordan Love. And guess who? This is passer rating. Guess who was number six in the league last last week? 
Oh, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was sixth in the league in week one in passer rating, 115.9, in case you were wondering. And Josh Allen followed him, was behind him with 112. Mm. And Jets fans, in case you're curious, Joe Flacco, 26th in the league, passer rating of a 74.8. But before I get into my pick for the Giants-Panthers game, I must say, and I welcome your calls at 877-337-6666, I must say that besides the going for two, whether they converted or not decision, I just loved what I saw from Saquon Barkley. I mean, he looked like Saquon Barkley of old. 9.1 yards of carry, a touchdown, the aforementioned two-point conversion, plus 30 yards on seven targets receiving. And, of course, obviously with the impending free agency next year looming, I mean, that's obviously a motivating factor to have a good year for anybody. Look at Aaron Judge. And I I mentioned it before, but here's the quote. Saquon Barkley uh, told Steve Serby of The Post, he said, quote, that's kind of the saying that's been in New York and the New York Giants since 1925. Once a giant, always a giant. I know Eli put a little different word into it, but for me personally, I will always love to be a giant for the rest of my career. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, maybe. Who knows? Crazier things have happened, but I don't think it would be advantageous or, um, I don't want to use the word smart, uh, but cost-effective in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't be that for the for for the Giants moving forward. But you know, right before the season started, Daniel Jones said, "He said I think Saquon's looking good. I think you see his explosiveness, his ability to make plays in the run game, in the pass game, and it is fun to see him back practicing and playing like you're used to seeing." And then Saquon comes out in Week One and does that against the Titans' defense, whose strength is defending against the run. That we talked about that last Saturday, this time last Saturday night. Oh, and to the Daniel Jones haters, the stat line it speaks for itself. 188 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And, and I just mentioned that the 115.9 rating was good for sixth in the league last week. Oh, yeah. And a W to go along with it. And as I've been mentioning throughout the show, he did it under duress. 69% of his dropbacks he was pressured on. He was sacked five times, and he was hit eight more. And if I go here, I bet you it's... Uh, let me see. Sacks. Yeah. Burrow and Stafford both sacked seven times. Carr and Jones sacked five. Obviously, he was under duress. And he was ranked higher in terms of tor- quarterback rating than any of those three guys in front of him in sacks. Burrow, Stafford, or Carr. And I think he's going to have a, uh, and there's no easy time in the NFL, but an easier, air quotes there, time against his Panthers defense who really did nothing against Jacoby Brissett last week. So here's how I, how I would imagine this game or, or hope this game plays out. The Giants need to start fast, get out to a big lead, because Baker Mayfield started so slow last week. If you win the coin toss, you better receive it. And then from there, score in that opening drive and keep the feet on the throats of the Panthers. And this game is going to be the Giants. And don't forget that quote from Baker Mayfield in GQ, 2019. He said, I cannot believe the Giants took Daniel Jones. It blows my mind. Some people overthink it. That's where people go wrong. They forget you've got to win. Well, guess what? I've got Giants winning, winning, beating the Carolina Panthers. I got the Giants 20, Panthers 17. And by the way, 
I checked late Saturday afternoon. I don't know if it moved since then. The Giants are one-and-a-half-point favorites. When was the last time I talked to you when the Giants were favored to win a game? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. So I've got the Giants beating the Panthers with a final score of 20-17. to 17. And I'm going to tweet this because I do not hide. I saw on SNY today they were talking about deleting tweets. I never delete tweets uh, on, unless, you know, it's a typo or something. And I don't think there's an edit button there yet. But I don't delete tweets. Giants 20, Panthers 17. Go ahead. I just sent it out just now. Go ahead and read it. Read it and weep, my dad would say. All right, so the phones we go at 877-337-6666. In the order that you called, Roxbury, New Jersey. Wilson, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how are you doing? Great, how are you? Hey, um, I'm okay. Hey, listen, I, I've been a Giants fan for over 40 years. And um, if we, if the Giants win against the Panthers, after they held that we went through with that bum, Joe Judge, I don't know if it's a pipe dream or not, but we, we deserve to dream a little and to actually think about the players. As, as, you know, Giants fans deserve that because we, it's been hell for, for almost five years, but the last two years, was it was like a nightmare, you know. So, um, so you know, if uh, Giants fans call, if, if they win and Giants fans call next week, hey, listen, we're going to the playoffs, you know. Some people might not believe it, but, hey, like I said, at least for a week, we, we deserve to uh, to dream a little. What do you think? Yeah, it's being a fan, Wilson. That, that's that's being a fan. You're allowed to dream. Right. And you know what? Exactly. The Giants are in, we can say it, right, the worst division in football. It's wide open. Right. I, In my of opinion, course. that division is wide open. And, 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 and as evidenced by the Philadelphia Eagles just squeaking one out against the Detroit Lions, who have been worse than the Giants, if possible, over the past X amount of years. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts, you know, for all the acclimates that he's getting, uh, you know, if you make him play quarterback, if you make yes. him play quarterback, I want to see him actually have to make throw after throw. And then if he does it, then I'll shut up. But mm-hmm. until then, I mean, you can only go so far running, running, running. Eventually, it's going to, you know, it, catch, it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, listen, real quick on Robert Sala. Yeah. If I can give him a word of advice, it will be this. That that persona that he wants to portray wears very thin very quickly yes. in, in this area yes. if you don't win. So he has to watch out, you know, because he's basically, you know, he's got very thin ice, you know. Uh, you can't be talking about receipts and, and, and the fans because – it can get ugly quickly. Yes, I agree with you. And I would just, you know Thank what, you if I up. were him, and Wilson, that's a great point, because we don't have a tolerance really for that in this area. It might work elsewhere, but to come out there, you know, take receipts, this and that, no one needs to hear that. People, like, laugh at that. Like, I, I know, apparently the players loved it, but, you know, the players that spoke up loved it. They're not going to get a player that says, oh, I hated that. I hate how my coach said that. But I, I, don't, I don't love it. I also... Might have been the only person in this entire city that did not believe, you know, buy into 100% the all gas, no brakes mentality. Because I remember I went home and I thought about that. And I was like, huh, you know what I thought of? And you know what I presented to my listening audience? Well, you know what? What, what are things that are designed to go fast? NASCARs, right? Guess what? Even NASCARs have brakes. 
coach is what I said when he said that. That was my first show after that. So these cliches, they're great. You know, great cliches and this and that. Your offense was was brutal, brutally stagnant. Uh, you, you got a, a a young cornerback who got burnt to the to the crisp of 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 a perfect passer rating against him. Whitehead thrown his way. I mean, there's so many things, so many things. Zerline misses a kick. I mean, I mean, I know that's not on the coach, but just win games. Just stop with that. And I listened live. I was listening live to the other station, that other show. I was listening to it live, and I, I kind of shook my head at my Alexa. And I was like, Alexa, oh, man, that wasn't good. That wasn't great. That wasn't a great thing to say. Take your receipts. Good. Keep your receipts. Just put some wins on the board. That's all Jet fans are asking for. No one likes the lip service, buddy. And you're right, Wilson. It doesn't play well here in New York. Okay, in the order that you called, Dave and Rockland, you're up on the fan. Hello? Hello, how are you having Not great, Dave. Okay, hang on one second. One. Okay, let me just switch that. Yes, much better. That's, yeah, yes. All right. So, as I love your show. I love the passion. Thank you. And um, I just want to know what you can tell me. What do you think the situation of the Metropolitans, my baby, mm-hmm. and uh, how much do you think it really matters if they win the division? I mean, like the other route that they're going to have to go if it's just a wild card. Because, like, I'm believing and hoping, and I love them, that they're going to win the division. But these Braves, I don't know what the heck. They don't lose. They just – they do lose. They only lose when we lose. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yes. Um, what do I think? Um, I mean, I'm looking at the Mets. They've got a one-game lead on, on the Atlanta Braves. It's just one. And they're on a collision course. They've got you – know, you know what, Dave? They have a series upcoming against the Braves. Whoever wins that series is winning the East. And let me tell you something. The path to the World Series, and I think uh, Keith Hernandez said it too, the path to the World Series, if the Mets want to get it there, get there, they need to win their division. Because if you look at right now, they've got, you know, as it, if, it were, if it were to stay the way it is right now with the Mets winning the division, they've got either a date with the, they've got a first round bye, and they've got a date with the Padres, or the Cardinals, the sixth seed or the three seed. Pretty favorable matchup based on seedings, right? If they right. don't win the division, well, then they're bumped to I, probably what would be the fourth seed, and then they've got a date first with the Phillies, probably. Then, because I'm just flip-flopping the Mets and the Braves, right? So first round, they'd have to beat the Phillies. Then they'd have to beat the Dodgers and, and right there in that round, which is fine and all, right, Dave? Because I think the Mets can beat the Dodgers. However, the problem is that they've set up their rotation for that that wild card round where you're having DeGrom throw on day one, Scherzer day two, Bassett day three. You're really going to roll into game one of the NLDS with Taiwan Walker and or you know, Carlos Carrasco as your game one starter? That's going to be the biggest issue for the Mets moving forward. And that is why they need to win the division. They need to play those three games later in the month against the against the Braves as if it is the first round of the postseason. They have to. They have to win those three games and keep continue to win. Yeah, 100%. No, it definitely changes everything if they, if they win the division. And uh, I think with this pitching, and then and even like Walker looked great the other day, Bass looked great tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think Peterson to the bullpen is a good move. Yep. Uh, and 
And, and what do you think about, do you think like, basically I was always screaming for, to bring up Alvarez because I felt like there was nothing doing from catcher. But like the last two weeks, I guess McCann and Nito have, have delivered a little bit. Like, do you think they should hold Alvarez back or bring him up? Mm, at this point in the season, for a catcher to come on up, it, it's, for me, it's too late. You know, it's just, it's not only acclimating to, to major league pitching, it's also acclimating to your pitching staff um, on September 18th. If they were going to do it, they should have did it sooner. Sorry. Yeah, I, it's just too late for me for that. I thought they should have. I thought they really needed the spark. I guess they tried it with this new kid, uh, his name uh, Vientos. I guess hasn't happened yet, but uh, mm-hmm. they're keeping it. They're keeping it together. With you know, and the truth is, as much as you loved it and had a ten game lead, there is something sort of exciting and nail biting about watching it go. You know, up a half a game, one game, two games. So definitely keeping keeping everybody interested. Of course, yeah, and 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 maybe Vogelback's going to get his sexy back. You know that Justin Timberlake song, but he hasn't done much over the past month, and that killed him. I and mean, Darren Ruff is just a waste. So, I mean, you're not getting the problem is you're not getting anything out of the DH spot. So, if you're bringing up Alvarez just to be a DH, I'd be into it, but to catch, no way, not a chance. I know Vogelback, I think, like, you know, I went to a few games and he's like a bit of a cult hero when he's hitting, Hmm. but then sometimes he just doesn't look like a major league player, like hitting into double play so easily. And, and I'm I'm not getting on, you know, I like to. I don't care about if he's a bit stocky, you know, if you, you know, you crush sure. him. And I mean, yeah. remember Bartolo Colon, like we oh, loved yeah. him. Oh, yeah. So, but I don't know. Like, yeah, Ross is a bust. Uh, Naquin, I don't think there's a lot doing there. I mean, I do think that it was a surprise. Everybody said it that, <laughs> that they didn't really trade and do a little bit more at the at the deadline, yeah. especially with, you know, the you know, yep. new management where they are. Yep. And, and honestly, quite honestly, for really being really honest, Every move they made at the deadline was not great. I mean, you're looking at J.D. Davis. He could be your D.H. now. And I wanted J.D. Davis traded, like, the most of them. But what you got back, you're looking at Daniel Vogelback as a D.H. and Darren Ruff. Your team is, I think, in that particular spot, worse off than than before the deadline. I think. I think the Mets did a poor job at the deadline. I really do. Yeah, which is surprising because they were just so... Right. They were so dominant in the offseason, right? And then the trade deadline was like, Ugh. Yuck. But one good thing I felt sleeve is I think I think Mate is when he comes back he's he's a real uh, fire and, and some of them have been like quiet lately, Nimmo, McNeil, whatever. You know, they are oh, gonna turn around. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Yeah. And Dave, that's a that's a thing. And thanks for the call. Um that's a thing. Marte is such a big cog in this whole machine of the Mets. And he had discomfort on Thursday when he was throwing pain, not discomfort, pain, he said. And they're just gonna have to wait and see. He thinks he can make it back before the end of the season. We'll see. I don't know, but without Marte, I don't know how far the Mets are gonna go. All right, as uh, we we careen into the final segment here, Jerry in Upstate New York. I see you. Uh, I do have to go to break, um, so I'll come back to you right after I make my Jets prediction. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till two here on the Fan. McCartan before, oh, after midnight here on the fan in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan with you for another, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Taking you till 2 when Mike Fliegelman will come your way at that point in time. and bringing you all the way through 6 a.m. on this football Sunday, week 2. Got the Giants. I think the Giants are going to beat the Panthers with a final score of 20-17. Uh, 
And if I'm, you know, if I'm looking at watching the Jet game today, I'm going to have them both on. But if I'm watching a Jet game today, you know, <clears throat> everything was right about my trip out to MetLife Stadium to watch a Jets home opener. With the rain, who cares? I was guest of the Jets Lounge. We were inside. Um, they're a Twitter group. For if you're looking for a community, Jet fans, the Jets Lounge, find them. Um, so the thing is, can the Jets drive into Cleveland? Right past the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right there on the water. Into First Energy Stadium, and can they hand the Browns an L in Week 2? Okay, and they're taking your calls here, too, at 877-337-6666 on this football Sunday. Well, one, the Browns offense. They were second in the league so far last year. I mean, last week. I mean, I know it's been one week, but they had the second most rushing yards per game, which does match up well against what the Jets did against the Ravens, only allowing three yards per carry, the Jets' defense. That's good. Brown's offense was also 31st in the league in passing, which means it's going to be a ground-and-pound kind of game plan for Cleveland. And it ultimately boils down to, can the Jets handle Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? I actually think that they can. Then the Browns' game plan should be this. Throw the ball to whoever Jordan Whitehead is covering. I mentioned it before. The guy looked lost out there last week in Week 1. The stats showed it. Whitehead, when targeted for the Jets... He allowed a 158.3 rating. That's literally perfect for the other team. Perfect quarterback rating. And then the Browns defense, second in the league in rushing defense after after week one. So don't expect much from the Jets backs. And 13th in passing. So they're, they're pretty all right at that too. So don't expect much for Joe Flacco, who could be under duress again this week. He was sacked three times last week, hit 11 more times. And Robert Sala said, well, when you look back at the Ravens game, when he had a clean pocket, he was very, very efficient. Well, coach, herein lies the problem. And then he said there's a comedy of errors that led to what looked like a bad performance by Flacco. Now, it wasn't the best performance, but it wasn't as bad as people think it was. Which is true. I mean, Michael Carter could have walked right into the end zone, but he just literally dropped the ball. So I do see that. And then there's the fact that they played the Panthers last week. And... You know, the Browns won on the last second field goal, so could that give the Jets hope? No. The last I checked, late Saturday afternoon on FanDuel, the the Jets were six and a half point underdogs, which was actually quite in line with my score prediction. I'm going uh, New York Jets. Let's go it this way. Cleveland Browns, 24. New York Jets, 17. Browns, 24. Jets, 17, unfortunately. And I hope I'm wrong. I I love being wrong in these situations. I really do. I hope I'm wrong, but here's what I got. I'm going to tweet this out now so you can see it. There's proof. There's receipts. There's your receipt, Robert Sala. Browns 24, Jets 17. Take that receipt. Make me eat my words. I will be happy to. And, I, I, I you know, I don't care. I don't care what, what what you have to say. Just go out there and win games. Look competitive because last week the, you, you did not. I mean, lifeless. Sunday at the stadium yet again. I mean, fans were leaving at halftime yet again. And tell, show me, don't tell me, show me how it's different from last year. Because I was there too, and it was the same old. Don't tell me, show me, please. 877-337-6666. There you are, Jerry in Upstate. Thanks for hanging in there. First of all, thank you. And I just want to tell you, Daniel, you do a great job, honestly. I'm not going to try to go all over the map. I'm a diehard Giant fan. Okay. And it's just real nice to see some excitement. Listen, we know where we're going to be. It's not like we're going to be great. We're not doing any of that stuff. But it's nice to see a guy go for two points. 
that we would have never done last year or the year before, never have done. Them. Right. You know, and, and then the other thing is this guy, Robert Salas, this jet coach, you know, for him to talk about cash and tickets, has he seen what a ticket costs to go watch that? Yeah, that's a great point. It's unbelievable. They have a diet soda for $9. Yep. He should look at the tickets that we pay for to go down there to watch the garbage on the field. You yep. know, honestly, and I mean that. And that's coming from a giant fan, so I probably shouldn't say that. Nope, you're right. You're, you're not thing, wrong. <laughs> and listen, the other thing, the reason why I called in, because I think the guy that's on the board said something about the Philadelphia uh, Eagles. Yes. Listen, did they, did they, did they fit Jalen Hurts for a yellow jacket for the Hall of Fame yet? I didn't see them do that. I must have missed that, so, too. I must have missed it, you know, so – when they talk about, oh, better than us and everything, well, it goes on the field. And that's the reason why I called in. And also to tell you, they did a great job. And one last thing, yeah. the Jets have no shot tomorrow. None. I don't Zero. Think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I know the players. Right. I mean, it amped the players up to hear him say all that. It did. I saw that. I saw the quotes from the players. But, yeah, yeah it's just, you know, it's just. Listen, Flacco, his best days are behind him. I give him a lot of credit for being on the field. They don't have much else. Yep. And, uh, again, that's coming from a Giant fan, and I'm just hoping that Daniel does a great job tomorrow. We'll see. Listen, he's got a lot to prove, too. Let's be honest. Definitely. Yeah, Jerry, and, and, and thanks for the call there. It's a good call. Um, and I was just hoping last week that, that Garrett Wilson was going to make a touchdown catch because I had a, 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 a what did I put, $5 on an anytime touchdown catch, Garrett Wilson. They had a chance right at the end. Twice. They had a chance. I had a chance. Of course, no dice. The Jets have a plus 20. The New York Jets money line is at plus 220. Yeah, I'm still not touching that. <laughs> I got a tweet from, where did it go? This is a good one. Um, Robert's got the Giants winning 27-17, but that's not what I was looking for. Uh, Rick Brody, he said, getting back to the Mets, he said, the trade deadline was an indication of Epler's ineptitude. Easy to throw $130 million at Max and other free agents, much tougher to upgrade when you can't just write a check. Rick, I agree with you. Um, I'm just going to write, I agree. Talking about this now. Mentioned your tweet. At Coach MCCARTAN, if you can't get through on the phone. Um, but that, that that's, I mean, what did the Mets do at the deadline? Rough? Vogelback? I mean, what else? I mean, what else? The right guy out there was D- David Robertson. They didn't do it. The right guy out there was Wilson Contreras. They didn't do it. Because that Contreras would have solved the catching problem and the DH problem when he wasn't catching. And bringing in the catcher at the trade deadline in, in July or sooner, mid-July or sooner, or I think it was August 1st this year, whatever it was, in the summertime, is way different than bringing in a catcher or bringing up a catcher on the 18th of September or later. You can't do that. You know, there's an acclimation period, definitely, for sure. So, um, you know, that, that might cost the Mets in the long term. You got to have a, a production out of your DH position, and it is one of the positions in the Mets lineup. It's, it's the, the least productive position out of the Mets lineup. And I know I mentioned it before. I got a tweet that says, I, I can't, there's a lot of them coming in, but something that started off with, with all due respect, you can't move Nimmo. Well, why not? Why, why can't you move Brandon Nimmo down? Why not? He's batting over the pet, not even including tonight's game. Before tonight's game even started, or I guess the, the game from a few hours ago, 191 over his pet. Since the last time I talked to you, not even including tonight's game, 
Brandon Nimmo's batting 191. You want that at the top of your order coming around four times a game? He struck out 9% of his strikeouts on the season happened in this past week. He's not seen the ball well. It's not a demotion, and it's not permanent. You move him down for a little bit. You know who you know who would move up in that spot? Jeff McNeil. McNeil has earned the spot. I don't know why he's been buried at the bottom of that lineup, or near the bottom, not at the, but near the. I mean, he Jeff McNeil, man, I saw a quote from him earlier today, and he was just like, yeah, I just, you know, I, I play the game, hit the ball, put it in play. Something like that. It was like so matter of fact. It made it so easy. It was so simple. So simple. And you get, you know, John Carlos Stanton striking out how many times? You got, you know, it's like, it looks like brain surgery for the Yankees to, to get a hit with runners in scoring position. I mean, against the, Bra- uh, the Brewers, the Yankees, over the past two games, two for 19 runners in scoring position. Tell me how that wins games. Tell me. It doesn't. And, and and the the big poll that I put up before was how I want no part and 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 what was something like ninety where was it Let me get their direct number here. I put up a poll and I said, provided that Frankie Montas is eligible to pitch in the postseason, pending results from his MRI, are you including him in your postseason pitching rotation? And I appealed to Yankees fans, of course, but fans of any team could could you know respond theoretically, and in the 13 minutes I had the poll up because I like immediate gratification, instant gratification. In those 13 minutes I put it up, I had three choices. A, Frankie Montas uh, pitching in the postseason rotation, provided everything's good from the MRI, he'll be back. A, hell no. B, why not? Or C, absolutely. I'd love to hear from you 9.5% of voters that, that clicked absolutely on that. That must have been a joke because I'm with the 73% of you who say hell no. Frankie Montas, I I hate to say this, but I told you so. All the way back in June, when I started doing the research of guys that might be available at the deadline, guys that the Mets Mets and Yankees should go out and get or not, you know, the whole thing. My extensive research that I did. And it was a no-go then. The only thing I liked about Frankie Montas even then was that it's fun to say his name. Frankie Montas, that's a fun name to say, but yikes, man. I mean... I, you know, I I hope for the best possible news on, on his MRI. I hope. And Aaron Boone told Meredith after the game that he did not have an update on it yet. I hope it's all well and good. But I don't want him touching a ball in a postseason start. I just don't. And you mark my words. On, on the 18th of September at 1.57 in the morning, Frankie Montas will get a postseason start. I bet you he's going to be the number three starter just so Brian Cashman does not have to admit that he made a mistake in trading away Jordan Montgomery. And Jordan Montgomery reminds the Yankees every single time he's out there that they made a mistake, that Brian Cashman made a mistake. Just, I mean, think about it. Montas, since he got traded, he has a, a 2.65 ERA, is it? And you got... Uh, Jordan Montgomery, Montas, with the Yankees, here it is, has a 6.25 ERA. Montgomery, 2.05. Montas, giving up six home runs. since This is all since the trade deadline, since on their new teams. Montas, giving up six home runs. Montgomery, a third of that, only two. 
Batting average, batting average against Montas, almost 300. Batting average against uh, Montgomery, 214. I mean, you tell me. You tell me who you'd rather have on the mound in a game that means a lot in the postseason. Yankees made a mistake. Big one. Might cost him. Well, thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you. And I love coming here and talking with you. And if you missed any portion of today's show, you hit that free Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start, which was 11 p.m. Uh, great job to both Brian McKeon behind the glass tonight and Paul Rosenberg. Um, and also to uh, had Greg Caserta on an update earlier, I think. <laughs> I think. Got a manual here now. Uh, and I'll see you guys, everybody, next Saturday. Same time, same place. After the Rutgers game, though. Social media channels at Coach MCC A R T A.